tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is producing today. Coming up on this morning's show, we have some news about Kick and Barrick's site in Clonmel. Should we have unified parking across Tipperary? Ali was out and about in Thurles at the infamous Bowes Corner. Financial advice with Francis O'Hanlon. We'll be speaking global politics with Thomas Conway. We'll look back on the sporting weekend with Paul Carroll. And we have travel tales with Fargal O'Keefe. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Headlines in some of your newspapers today. The Irish Daily Mail. We need these 70,000 houses built. The government is scrambling to find a way to help builders complete housing developments that are deemed no longer viable. To the Irish Examiner. Remarkable story in the Irish Examiner and it's their lead story as well. Children living in South Kerry with uh, mental health issues are being treated by a doctor based in, wait for it, the United Arab Emirates via video calls as a crucial position remains vacant. Isn't that absolutely unbelievable? Kids with probably acute mental health issues having to do a video call to a guy based in uh, the United Arab Emirates. Let let that sink in for a moment. Um, the Irish Independent, welfare rates uh, set to double for higher earners who lose jobs. Higher earning workers who lose their jobs will be entitled to social welfare at more than twice the normal rate under proposals to radically overhaul the job seekers' payment. And workers with a history of employment uh, will qualify for the rates uh, up to €450 Euro a week under plans. The Irish Times and their lead story, Southern voters reluctant to change flag or anthem. Many voters in the Republic are unwilling to make concessions to unionists to accommodate them in a potential United Ireland. That's according to some new research. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 The Minister for Further in Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science, Simon Harris, TD, is in uh, Tipperary today is due to announce a significant development at the site of the old Kickham Barracks. And joining me now is Senator Garrett Ahern. Good morning to you, Garrett. Good morning, Fran. Thanks very much for having me. How are you? I'm very well indeed. But more importantly, how are you? Because first of all, congratulations in order. A new little baby. Uh, yeah, thanks very much. We had a, we had a baby boy yesterday, um, Daniel. So uh, we've, we've two boys now, Jamie and Daniel. So we're over the moon and Laura's great and Everything went well and she's recovering and um, sure we're thrilled. It's great before Christmas. So. Isn't, isn't it just indeed a good, a good news story? Now, speaking of good news, that announcement that's to be made a little later on today, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I suppose, first of all, um, Minister Simon Harris is due to come to Tipperary this, this afternoon at about half three. Uh, he's coming to Clamel and he's coming to Tarlis. And I suppose the expectation um, with the minister arriving uh, is that he's going to give positive news towards two applications that were put forward 
So maybe just to, to, to explain the two applications, there was one done in Turles, and that was to um, build an expansion on the current college up there. It was an application put forward by Tooth, uh, and it's to build an extension, essentially to the building they have for further education training. And it's to open it up to people who want to study in applied science, in IT, health and well-being, um, energy efficiency and sustainability. Um, so it's all about integrating higher, le- higher level edu- education and further education. And it's a multi-million euro project led, led by the college there. In can, can you indicate how, how many millions? Uh, the, uh, the minister will probably say that himself later on. It's probably fair to say that he, uh, it's probably fair he'll, he'll say it later. But it's, it's a massive multi-million euro project, um, obviously, to build a new building um, and to have the resources in place doesn't, doesn't um, come cheap. But I suppose a really big investment that's going to come is in Kick and Barrick because essentially the application that was put forward by there, by the ETB, and uh, um, I have to say uh, Bernadette Cullen and all in ETB have put forward one of the best applications in the country. Um, that was the view of the Department of Higher Education. Um, and today, hopefully, what will be announced by the Minister will be essentially a new college being built on, on Kick and Barrick's which will be a college of uh, two, which is outside in the bypass at the moment where the sports hub is being built. They're going to move into Cake and Barracks and ETB will bring all of their locations that they have in, in Clamel into one campus um, on Cake and Barracks. So essentially what you'll have is you'll have about 90 staff working there uh, and in time you'll have about 400, 450 people from Tooth and about 900 learners from the ETB. So you'll have a college of about 1,300 students and 100 staff right in the centre of, of Clamel, um, in between the showgrounds, Parnell Street, and all of the advantages that brings to the town by having those people right in the centre. And, have, and you, this, have you thought through the, the um, parking implications of that, Gareth? Yeah, so I suppose it's very important to say that this is at a very early stage. So the, so the ETB um, and TUS will put forward uh, a design phase of it. This will be part also of um, a further URDF application that will be put forward in January by the County Council. Sinead Tarn, the County Council, will, will, will lead on that. This is the one that failed last time exactly. round, isn't it? So you'll re- you remember, Fran, about a, about a year ago you did a show when the URDF application was unsuccessful mm. and with a lot of people on who were upset and rightly upset mm. about it. And I said to you at the time that one of the reasons the Department of Housing didn't support that application, and it was about a 17 million application, was they felt that an awful lot of it was about education and that the Department of Education or the Department of Higher Education need to step up and financially support some of this project themselves. So essentially, hopefully, that's what today does. And uh, uh, myself and along with, with Michael Murphy and John Fitzgerald, we would have worked with... Um, Peter Burke in the Department of Housing and with Simon Harris to make sure that there was joined up thinking here between those those two departments that if the Department of Higher Education support this project at Kick and Barracks well then that gives us a uh, real advantage when we put an application through to develop the whole of the town centre of Clamel because you know the last number of weeks there's been a lot of conversations about how the outskirts of the town of Clamel is doing quite well but the town centre itself you know, the Gladstone Street, O'Connell Street, Parnell Street. Um, we really need to invest in that area. So essentially what this does today 
with Simon Harris hopefully announcing a significant funding, it'll mean the application that will go forward to redevelop Clamel will be will be reduced significantly, which will increase the chances of it being successful. The, we'll the, the last time around, what we when we referred to the plan uh, failing, I, I think they were talking about fifty million at that stage. Any any yeah, idea so, what the investment is going to be announced today? Yeah, so so fifty million would have come from the Department of Housing, Department of um, or the local authority would have put up match funding, Department of Education would have put a, put a, put up a bit of a bit of money as well. So look, we're we're talking we're talking multi million euro. This is the biggest investment that will have came into Clamel um, since Fine Gael been in government yester- uh, in the last twelve years. Um, we're talking multi multi million of millions. Mm-hmm. Like to build a full college on Kick and Barracks is going to cost an awful lot of money. So it's it's um, it's a significant amount of money that Simon Harris is going to announce today. Right. Will um, he announce a timescale on this as well, Gareth? Uh, I, I suspect he will, um, but I think it is important to say that it's at very early stages. Um, and I remember when we had the first. Do you remember when we had the first phase of kick and barracks uh, being done? You kept asking me when will it be done? Will, yeah. it, will it be yeah. done? And it took much longer than we thought, which is frustrating. But it's but it's done now actually, and we had the first opening of it on Saturday. I missed it because I was in the maternity ward. But uh, Santa came to the the plaza on mm. Chicken Barracks, and there was about there was over a thousand people at it. But that that's completed, which is great, and this is perfect timing now because to see uh, the college being built on. on Kick and yes. after the first phase has been done. What, is, what is does really this say for the sports hub then? Because is that depending on the college moving? Is that is that how that is going to work? Yeah, well, so the first phase of the sports hub is being built at the moment. And then hopefully there'll be a second phase of that done. And that's, that's to be done with the expectation of the college moving. Um, and I think today uh, uh, cements that uh, happening. That you know, because... We had great news of turning Tooth into a co- in, into a higher education college, mm. um, making it a university, and all the advantages that goes with that. But it's really important for students that they actually experience a college life, and the building that's there at the moment isn't suffice. Certainly in Clamell now, uh, isn't suffice uh, for that college experience, and to bring people outside of Clamell, outside of Tipperary, uh, to come and study in Clamell. But by moving it into kick, kick and barrack right. and creating that college atmosphere, we'll do that and then uh, give the opportunity for the sports hub to expand on the second phase. Right. I'm probably boring you at this stage, but if you were to estimate the amount of time that this will take to uh, to be finished, what would you say? Are we talking about what three, five years? Uh, well, I, I, I'd, I'd say we're talking uh, we're talking a good few years, but but there's a lot of work that's going to go on to actually build this. So there'll be a lot of um, employment, local employment. Right. Um, and will there be this, phases you know? of this as well? Um, well, it, like we're at very early stages, so it, it's really for the design phase, put it out to tender, uh, get an agreement on it, and then then start com- uh, then start completing. Like there's a lot of buildings there that are functional at the moment and being used at the moment. Um, so yes. you know it'll take time to you know we need to be honest about that. But the really important part is that governments have hopefully will be committing to supporting it today right uh, and giving the funding to create a college can i uh, ask right you about on, on the same site i mean and again it's a non-going saga for as long back as i can remember at this point but the guard of barracks yeah, and, and and the movement of the station to to kick him um what, what about that yeah so the guard of barracks is going to be a lot slower um if we're being honest about it why, why um, is that Garrett? it's in it's in a, a, a pool of um 
uh, three projects and it can't be taken out of it. One is with McCroom Garda Station and one is with the Children's Courts in Dublin. Uh, and it's the Children's Courts that's holding it up. So if the Garda Station was on its own, uh, it's perfect, ready to go. But it can't be split from the three, from the from the two other projects, um, which is hugely frustrating. Um, so yes, because you know the conditions that the the boys right, and it, girls it, are it, working in down the there. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know they do great work in there, and um, they're yeah. under huge pressure. Uh, and you need a facility to be able to come back to that's fit for purpose. And certainly the guard station at the moment in Clamel isn't. Um, but hopefully um, that will move along. It's incredibly slow and it's really frustrating, be- especially for Clamel, because we're ahead of the other projects. Um, but, you know, it's in, it's in that pool yeah. uh, and we have to wait for the children. Well, ordinary people uh, like myself will be sort of pulling our hair out and say, well, take it out of the bloody pool, you know. do, oh, do like, you know. I, I don't know how many times I've asked that for that to be happen, and uh, yeah. I've been told every time that it's just not possible, it can't be funded separately, right. um, which is incredibly frustrating. But I, I pull my hair out as well. But the important thing is, though, we have one we have one phase of kicking barracks done now, which is great, which is the open plaza, which is open for everyone to use, and that's fantastic. We'll now be starting a new phase of building a new college in there, and hopefully people will see. And we've brought down ministers and tarnishers and Taoiseachs and shown them everything, along with the local authority. Like, it'll be fairly obvious that there's a site there left and a guard station needs to be put in to finish off everything and have a wonderful barrack um, um, mm. uh, available for everyone to use. A listener is wondering, would you support the notion of a military museum on the barrack site as well? Yeah, like, I actually, I've spoken to a number of people about this and I do think it's really important and in fairness, the local authority have the same view as well, that we recognise the history of the barrack yeah. Um, and don't lose that because, you know, there's a sensitivity about what we're doing. It's great to have a plaza, it's great to have a college on the campus, great to have a guard station. But for a lot of people who live in Clamell and the surrounding area, the barracks was their livelihood. Uh, and they're very proud of the service they, they gave there and they're proud of the service their family members gave there. And I really think it's important that in some aspect, whether we name an area or, or do some sort of thing in terms of museum to recognise what's uh, what's happened there and that people of a younger generation and people like my child who was born yesterday will remember that Clamel played a huge uh, 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 part in terms of a military service uh, here in Ireland and across the world uh, and it's something that we're, we're, we should be very proud of. So that announcement uh, today by the Minister at half past three, before I let you go can I just ask you about that Ireland Thinks poll that came out yesterday showing that 43% of people would prefer Michal Martin to remain on as Taoiseach as opposed to 34% who would rather have Leo Varadkar's Taoiseach. What, what do you make of that? You, you'll appreciate I barely saw the poll yesterday anyway. Sure, of course. Um, but I, I, I am, look I think, I think Michal Martin's done a really good job. I think he is trusted by the majority of the people in the country. Um, I think he's taken on the role and uh, made it his own. And I think he'll do that in whatever role he takes over in two, in two weeks' time. Um, as for Leo, I think um, obviously the polls are, are starting to go quite well for Fine Gael at the moment, which is very positive. And I think Leo's approval rate himself is very positive. Um, but I, I, I think uh, we're quite lucky that someone who's taken over has experience for a couple of years of being Taoiseach already. And, you know, yeah, you know, even even if people would prefer Michal Martin to stay well, there. It's, it's not surprising because Michal's done really well yeah. um, for the last two years. And look, they have a really good relationship, all three of them, including Eamon Ryan. And I think they work well together at the moment. Um, but this was agreed 
two and a half years ago. I think people people accept that and understand uh, why that is. Um, but I, I think even though there's going to be changes in terms of Taoiseach and some other roles, I think people can be confident that this government is a very strong, stable government um, who will work together closely over the next number of months uh, to make sure that everyone gets through the winter um, and that any challenges that we have ahead, we'll deal with them just like we've dealt with with the ones we've had over the last number of All years. Alright, good good to talk to you today. Once again, congratulations to yourself and Laura on your lovely new baby boy and thanks for talking to me this morning. Thanks Garrett. very thank much, you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye, you know. Sandra Garrett Heron speaking to us there. 1800-938-007 The text and WhatsApp 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Christmas parking arrangements in towns across the county for the month of December have caused quite a stir amongst our listeners. Uh, Gundy joins me now. Good morning to you, Gundy. Hey, good morning, Frank. How are you doing? I'm very Fine. well indeed. Fine. Thank, thank you for coming on with us this morning. How, how do you feel about the parking charges? Um, it, the parking charges really don't aren't the problem. It's the it's the, the mixed bag of parking hours that people are being fed. Yes. Um, do we need a um, uniformity on this? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, you do. You do because I mean, when you've got people, say, for instance, Nina is three hours parking, say, on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and then if see people from the are going down to Torres to just get a bit of shopping, mm. they've got 30 minutes. The 30 minutes free, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that spells tickets all over the place for people, I think. 30 minutes, isn't, what are you going to get in 30 minutes? Mm. You know. And do and, and you understand why this is the case? Have you gotten your head around that? Well, you see, I haven't. I haven't really, mm. no. Because, see, the problem is, there's certain towns that aren't as busy as others. Mm. And then there's other towns in that they still haven't got bypass, say, for instance, like Tipperary Town, mm. where it's impossible to get parking on the street anyway, anywhere. And there's no real public park that you can actually sit in, go in and park in anyway, mm. as such. Well, there's that some, there's some car parks off the, off the main street there. They are, they are. Yeah. And, you know, most people try to go into Little, but the problem there is if you go in and park in Little, or, or LD, sorry, mm. LD Morse. If you mm. try parking LD, there's people being camped in there. Mm. And that's nothing got well, to do it with... Is, it is a know, private car park, exactly, you see, you know. Exactly, so, yeah. so you, that's nothing got to do, but people don't know the difference. Mm. I don't think they're, they're fed enough information on it. For instance, um, the difference is the problem, I think, with three hours in Nina to 30 minutes in Thorless, um and then you've got, Cashel say, it's free in car parks. Mm. Um, in care is free. On well, it's Saturday. free on a Saturday in Cashel. Isn't in a it? Saturday, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's in public car park. Yes, which is pretty much the one that's across. Then you've got two hours on the street, also daily there. 
Yes. And then just Clonmeldon is just free on the on the Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, uh, on, on uh, every Saturday of this month. Yeah, because we got confused ourselves last week and we got in for, into trouble for it. But you can understand why you would get uh, confused. Does it make any difference to you, Gundy, when they make the argument that revenue from parking is vital to the local authority? Revenue from parking is vital. It's it totally 100% vital. We know that because it, it has to pay for certain things around the place. And then you've also got the people that are working their jobs as parking, um, you know, mm. people that just distribute the tickets and mm. the whole lot when they need. And there is a lot of people, you see car park, cars parked in places where they don't have um, disabled badges on mm. the cars. Yes, you know, yeah. And that's out of order, you know. Mm. So that has to be controlled as well. But in general, I mean, for instance, you take a certain type of the day, time of the day, sorry, mm. where where people, where the towns wouldn't be so busy. There is that time when, you know, the town is booming. And so if if it was taken down to a part where, you know, the, the, the least busiest time of the day, if that was put to, um, say, free parking for well, a few hours along there. That's very interesting. That's a, and, and, and that would do a lot of good for business as well, it? would wouldn't it? do absolutely brilliant for the businesses along. They're going to get their, their influx of people that they need for their shops. Um, and it'll, it'll also take the pressure off the, the streets on the really busy time, I think, as well. So, But there's just small little things like that that need to be looked That's a for. very sensible idea. Well, you know, it, mm. it's, only one, it's only one little idea. Mm. But you see, the problem is, are they sitting down around the big table and are they making decisions like this? How are they looking at facts like this? Well, obviously not when every town is different in some way, yeah. you know? You know. So, you know, if they're not going to do that kind of thing, clearly it does need to be, someone needs to be unified, whether it's themselves or whether mm. it's the, the times. And if, I suppose we really have to take into account the difficulties, Gundy, that businesses are having at the moment. I mean, they need this season now. This is vital 100%. I mean, you. I, I mean, I can speak straight away for, for like the Tipperary town, say. Mm. Um, now, are you a business that, person, by the way? Well, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I don't have a business on the street. No, right. I'm, I'm. I'm business in music, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the, like, there's an art initiative, say, in Tipperary town, mm. you know, um, and they've got fantastic murals, you know, um, by the Youth Work of Ireland, you yeah. know. Yeah. And the town is looking absolutely amazing, but it's still not taken away from the fact that there's there's business closing. Every time, you know. Yeah, I was parked for a while at the traffic lights last night and I just noticed that, um, you know, business after business closed down. There are a lot of vacant premises on the main street there. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, with Galway, where, where they allowed people to go in and take over buildings and they got so much, I think it was something like six months free rent and yeah. everything else. Yeah. Um, and that was a great initiative for, for Galway, that work. But would, would that... See, then you've got the, the issue of private people that own buildings and everything. And, you know, there's some, place, some places being left run down. And yeah. are, they, are they getting the whack of the council to say, listen, you need to clean up this place or else you're going to be fine? Well, well, obviously they're not, because I saw the state of it uh, last night. And look at what happened in Clonmel last week, where businesses now will be hit with an extra 5% um, on rates. You know, it's... Well, the rates are gone through the roof as well. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not doing anything about it. All right, Gundy. Well, that's a great idea. I love the idea of the downtime, that that's when they should make car parking yeah. uh, available. Yeah, it's a good one. Gundy, a happy Christmas to you. And, and best of luck with the music as well. Great great to chat to you today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Let's go to uh, Pat on the same subject. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I, I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You, you made an interesting comment to us, Pat. You said, Thurlis has a lot of answering to do. What did you mean by that? 
Well, the fact is that, that um, like 30 minutes uh, free is, uh, to my mind, it's, it's, it's an insult. Mm. You already uh, have 20 minutes free, have you not? Yes, you have 20 minutes. But by the time you go and get your ticket or whatever the case, mm. go back to your car, your 30 minutes is up anyway. So for um, Christmas shopping, this is... No, Christmas shopping is... Um, look, there must be catering for the guys that, 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 that do the Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve, like the men that go in for the girlfriends or wives or whatever it is, and then 30 minutes they have all the shopping done. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like me, Pat, by the way, but anyway... I, I, I think I'm, I'm something similar <laughs> myself, you know. Um, yeah, but realistically, 30 minutes isn't any good, is it? It's not, not, not any good. No, I can see the point of view if you have a very busy, busy market town. Um, like Cairo's busy, um, Tullus is busy, mm. Cashard is busy, Tipperary. Tanmail is, is a very busy town mm. as well. But um, the, the, like two hours free is, is, I would say two hours is, is good. Because if you give free car parking um, in the town itself, mm. invariably, humans are humans. The, the people that are employed within the town will come in and park their cars inside of the street. Of course, and that's you know, the problem, and then, isn't it? What's it going to do? There's going to be no parking for the shoppers when they right. go into town. You know. Now, the two hours, I think, or maybe three hours. If we said there's three hours free inside, we'll give an incentive for the people then that that uh, obviously the staff can't park that they're working their eight hours or whatever right. it is they find alternative places. But three hours, maybe that will give people a chance to to come in and do their shopping and be gone to the place. Yes. You know. Yeah, and it, and it makes it attractive then for people to go in to the centre of towns where businesses are struggling. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And the thing about it is that people are, are shopping and 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 inside and the, like people won't go to to, to the centre of the towns where where centre like you can town mill as well where there's, there's towns there and, and you mentioned there tip, tip tip town the main street inside and tip town businesses mm. closing down because yeah. people can't, there's no footfall because people can't get parking. They're going to park elsewhere. They're going to go into the multi, what do you call it, the multi, uh, the, the, the likes of Valdi and Nidl, Nidl yeah. and do their shopping inside there. And they leave the poor shoppers that are down the, down the main street. Or in, right. in, like, so they're disadvantaged, Pat, you know? really, yeah. Mm. So yeah, you, you like, reckon two or three hours, three hours preferably? I would say three hours preferably. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that would give an incentive for the, for the person to come in, knowing that they get a parking space within the town, the three hours to the park their car, to do their bit of shopping, whatever it is, and to bring the shopping into the centre of the town. Now, there not, is that new car park off, off Liberty Square, Pat, is there not? Is that not working out? I don't think that's working out. I don't, I don't know. Um, like, that, that's... that's, that's I think that, that's Panel Street, isn't it? I, I, I just see the entrance to it from Liberty Square, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. Now, there is a very, very good website called parkomedia.ie. Okay. And inside there, you can actually search for the towns that, that, that within uh, all over the country. And you say you're going there and you want to get parking. And it's up to date. If you go in on the thing now, parkomedia.ie, and you look, say, for car parking space inside in San Mel, it will list all the places where that, that uh, even on the streets, what, what it costs oh. to park. Isn't that amazing? Park O Media, is that what you call Park it? Parkomedia.ie. All right, okay. It's a very, very helpful website. And you can actually see inside there that says St. Mary Street Car Park inside in San Mel, that's two hours free. Uh, you'll see the street park, and it's two hours for, for a two, two euro for uh, an hour, one forty for an hour. It depends on where you're parking, and right. it depends on the location. Isn't that very but, handy? It's a very, very handy one. And, and you, can, you can actually see any town inside it. Yes. Now, we're lucky enough inside in, in, in our own town here in Care, whereby the, the car park on a Saturday is free and on the street it's two hours every day. Mm. 
it's, it's the first two hours is free and there's anybody they're just going in doing their bit of whatever it is picking up their bits of shopping and, and they're just moving on right you so know? that's that's two but hours like, so 20 minutes I think is a bit a bit indigenous for people that want to go in like it only gives them time to go and get a ticket sure but that two hours in care so that's free every day for two hours is that, is that what you're saying okay and, and the car parks are free on Saturdays on is that it yeah okay yeah, and bank holidays alright you know? okay and that helps because uh, like Businesses are struggling. I'm not a businessman myself, but businesses are struggling. And, mm. like, you, you try and, and... They're always talking about shop local. And then when they come in, then they're penalised by they can't find parking. Uh, but if you go to the big supermarkets, and there's loads of room inside in the supermarkets, so that's bringing the, the, the footfall away from the small shops out to the to the supermarkets, you know, even outside of the, the, the borough of San Men, not yeah. the borough and like pe- people are going to take the easiest route. I mean, particularly if you have kids or you might be an older person or whatever, you 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 can't be traipsing around the place, really. You know? No, you can't. No. And and, and now I did hear your caller there. Uh, your man mentioning there about the disabled parking. There's not enough. I've I've been on about this before. Too. There's not enough disabled car parking spaces mm. uh, in the town. And as well as that, uh, the, te- the the disabled car parking spaces that are available in some supermarkets, uh, car parks, the private car parks. Are, are being fl- flouted because uh, there's no control inside there. There's no policing no. of that, I guess. Well, I suppose it would be very difficult. You depend on people's goodwill, I suppose, Pat, but that's not yeah. always evident, is it? Well, it's not always evident, but look, at, uh, we get by, as the fellow says. We get All by. right. Pat, good to talk to you and a happy Christmas to you and yours. Thank and you so much. You, Thank you. Bye bye, Janelle. That's Pat speaking to us this morning about parking. How do you feel about that? 1800 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, our Ali was out and about for his internus at the infamous and controversial Bowes Corner. She spoke to some of the public and here's what they had to say. Well, I was coming out of the railway station the other day and there was a lorry going left towards Holy Cross and he had fierce difficulty getting around that corner. Okay, there's still a lot of uncertainty about how exactly it will look afterwards. Would you have concerns about that? Absolutely. I, I, I think they're after making a hames of it, to be honest with you. In what way? It's just that they've these big footpaths and not enough room for the traffic to manoeuvre whatever yeah. direction they want to go. And locally, is there a lot of uh, concern Ab- about it? Definitely. I've heard Noel Dwyer now and Tip FM talking about it. And, yeah, a lot of concern. It's much better. In, in terms of, of a car coming this way, that you're, you're out farther and you have a better view up the hill. Okay. And the same coming at the other side. After that, we'll have to wait and see how it travels. Yeah. <laughs> are, are the works itself, are they causing much disruption? Well, not to me, because I'm only walking we're, around we're the place. We're at the other end of the town <laughs> altogether. Okay. So at the moment, crazy. I won't judge anything until it is finished. That's what he maintained. Because it was the same down in the square. Everybody was giving out about it when the work was being done. But when it is finished, I think it is lovely. All you have to do is stand here now for, look, two minutes. You're taking your, li- your life in your own hands, yeah. crossing the road. Nobody knows where to go, when to go. I've been here during the week. I, I've been here every day, passing by. 
I've seen Arctic lorries trying to cross that road there and mounting the new footpath to get across. And that was without any traffic coming down from Castle Avenue. If there was a car coming down from Castle Avenue at the moment, the truck won't be able to turn that corner. You see, yeah. cars can't even turn the corner. They have to cross the other white line. If you measure, I did, measure the width of the road, one white line to the curb. Measure the footpath. The footpath is wider than the road. Doesn't make sense. Here you're coming down from the railway station at the moment. One car can only come down. One come down or one go up, which before you had no problem. One can go up and one come down without any difficulty whatsoever. Swinging around from, this is Butler Avenue here at the moment. Swing around up the Holy Cross Road over the bridge. See, that car now will have to cross over the white line to get across. Maybe the excuses that were given is the barriers are a bit out on the road at the moment. When they're all taken away, maybe it might give you a little bit more room to manoeuvre, which is quite, quite possibly it will. You'd be hoping there'd be some kind of traffic calming as well because I, the, the speed of cars coming up well, from well, This is what I thought too, we say, before the work was done. I've, I've looked at it. Why don't they put a, a traffic uh, warning light coming over? I think the problem is coming over the hill. The traffic's coming down too fast over the hill. If they put a warning light halfway over the hill to warn the traffic coming down to slow down, that would, have, would improve. I've seen accidents here before on a numerous occasions. You'd be hoping the new works will might alleviate I'm that. I'm waiting to see. Yeah. But looking at it at the moment, I don't think so. Now, what are they going? Wait till the finished product. I don't know what. Are they putting traffic lights there? Are they putting warning lights there? Are they stop signs? You have stop signs there. Look at coming down from, from the railway station. Where they have, how wide they have to go for the turn around to go back over the hill. An Arctic won't be able to turn around. No way will an Arctic be able to turn that corner coming down from Butler Avenue to go over the hill to Holy Cross Road. No way. It costs a fortune. It's going to cost more. As the saying goes, why keep spending money to finish it when you know damn well that it's not going to work? And they're going to have to spend more and more, more money to rectify it. I'm no engineer, but I can see it's not working. Very hard because you can't walk on the footpaths. They're a disgrace the way they're left. Would you be hopeful that by the end of it, it might, you might have a situation that's better than when you started? No. No? No. <laughs> Why so? Why do you have so little faith? I have very little faith the way it's left now at the moment. Yeah. I, I mean, a buggy can't go yeah. up and down. Anyone in a wheelchair, they can't get up and down. John Fleming, Lacey's Butchers. Uh, well, it's early days, yes, and, and I suppose there will be teething problems, but it doesn't look to be a success. I was only just coming in there this morning in after Holy Cross Road, and there was a lorry in Arctic coming out from Fire Street, and there was a, a car in front of me, and it had to... It, could, it only could barely pass, and it is... They're talking about traffic calming. It is definitely traffic calming, because uh, if the two, two lorries or a van met, they would not be able to pass on a straight stretch here. And that's, you know, that's the size of it. I'm sure the council would say you have to break eggs to make an omelette. Yes, you have to, but, uh, and it's, it is, in fairness, early days, but you would like to, I think there should have been a little bit more thought. I would have liked to see myself uh, traffic lights put there, temporary traffic lights, to see what, if that have worked. It would have been an expense, in fairness, but I think it would be less expensive 
then, then maybe what they're doing now at the moment. It's, it's a disgrace. Nobody knows what's happening. No, if you're coming up here with a... You want to go in there into Stakeland Yard, to swing over there, you have to go over to the other traffic coming down, you see. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. Same way as you're coming up the avenue here and you're going up the bridge. You have to go over to this lane of traffic to swing in. That's just to have it narrow to, you know. Yeah. As a pedestrian, is it any safer? Oh, I can't figure it out. Yeah. I come up here every morning for a walk, living down there, and I come up around for a walk, and mm. they still scratch your head. I don't know. Yeah, you have to be, and you're watching from about five different directions yeah, yeah, when you're crossing. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Would you have hope, though? Look, I know always during works it probably <coughs> looks bad, but when it's done... Yeah, it maybe, yeah, it might be when it's all finished. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. But at the moment, it's not looking too good anyway. Hi, I'm, I'm Michael Bow from uh, Bow Travel. Uh, yeah, it's definitely been tough and uh, the work has been slow, but I'd be more worried possibly when it's finished because it, it does seem very, very tight. Look, the, the, they've got on with the work, but it's, it's just what, what they leave behind is definitely worry. But I, I, yeah. I'm not an engineer, so I'll reserve judgment till, yeah. till, till we see it in full. But it does look very, very tight. Now, I know, look, when, when it's in the middle of works, it, it's always going to look a bit messy and people are a bit unsure. Would you be hopeful that maybe once it's done, it'll be OK? Yeah, I, 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 that, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, you, you'd like to think they know what they're doing. So mm. um, we'll reserve judgment. Is it impacting the business at all? Uh, yes, there, there has been. Uh, there was a couple of instances where, where, where clients couldn't get in to, right. to see us. And then there was even one instance where they were t- a builder told them we were closed down, which was a, a little bit upsetting. But wow. um, we, we got to the bottom of that anyway, and uh, it hasn't happened since. I mean, uh, what I can't understand is why did you one side first yeah. and complete that side and then do the other side? which would be kind of more practical. Well, that's what I find, yeah. Um, I find it's very awkward and certainly um, motorists are catered for, but pedestrians, particularly with buggies, or, and I'm sure anybody in a wheelchair or anything like that, would find it very difficult to navigate it. Um, there's no real safe place to cross. I have to come down here now as far as the um, zebra crossing, even though I want to go down the avenue. So um, pedestrians certainly aren't catered for um, in the works. Like I feel there should be a crossing, maybe a safer crossing somewhere up the bridge. I know that's awkward, but at least it would be safe to cross and you could come down around and go down the avenue. Um, it's awkward and it's going on for so long. And there doesn't seem to be that terrible amount of progress being made either. And I don't really honestly know the difference, uh, how much of a difference it's actually going to make to the whole set up there. Maybe visibility will be better if you're driving, but certainly from a pedestrian's point of view, I wouldn't see it being any advantage. And also, we're certainly not being catered for. And you have a buggy as well yeah, here walking. Yeah. And the surface is so uneven. So That's... bad. It's really bad. And she's asleep now at the moment. So um, I'm really being very kind of cautious, you know, because I don't want want her to get a fright if she wakes up with a bump or something. So, yeah, I would certainly feel they could have done more to cater for pedestrians. Would you be hoping that once the works are completed that you'll be in a better position? Hopefully, that's what we'd be hoping for. I mean, obviously they're going to bring up the paths and that's going to be an even surface and um, hopefully then it will be easier to cross and I think the visibility probably will be better um, but we have to wait and see. (laughs) Hope we won't have to wait too long. (laughs) And that's Ali out and about for us at Bowes Corner in Thurles. Glad to be joined now by Thurles Councillor Seamus Hannafin. Seamus, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Rather mixed feelings there about the work going on at Bowes Corner. Absolutely, and, and I think um, Ali's box pop there is, is um, has really caught a favour of the different views that mm. are there. 
And I, I, I suppose if I could start from by stating the very obvious, mm. Moors Corner is a very, very busy junction. Yeah. It's a very complex junction. You have six roadways at different heights. Three of them are parallel to each other. You have the parking area with two entrances coming out onto it. You know, it's a haphazard flow of traffic. It's difficult for motorists. It's been difficult for pedestrians. We've had accidents and near accidents. We have some of your contributors there spoke about the speeding coming down coming down the bridge. Mm. All of those things have gone on for years at that junction. And I suppose if it could be easily fixed, it would have been fixed years ago. So, like, what, what has been done there is a very significant work. And I suppose a number of your contributors said, you know, we're going to need to, to wait and see the mm. finished product, and mm. I think we are. What, what isn't being picked up uh, from any of the contributors there is the fact that, that what's happening at the junction is a raised table has been put in place. So, you know the raised table, for example, that is in Rose Green if you travel from Cashel to Clanbell. I do indeed, At yeah. the junction. So, so there's a raised table to be put there, and the purpose of that is to slow all of the traffic down. So that will slow all the traffic coming down the bridge. The issue about speeding going up the bridge and coming down the bridge, that will be rectified there. It will make it easier for, for um, motorists coming out of Matthew Avenue and coming out of Butler Avenue to get out at the junction. It will make it safer for, for pedestrians mm. and it will stop the haphazard uh, way that, that cars come out at the junction. And what about the point that lots of people have made, Seamus, is that the widening of the foot, footpaths have made uh, what was already a tight junction even even worse. Yeah, and, and, and friend, certainly there was, that, that's something that was of concern, I think, to all of the public representatives. We would have raised that at council meetings yeah. and, again, at, um, at workshops. It was checked. It was double-checked. The, the designs are, are, are all done now by this 2019 design manual for urban roads and streets. And uh, this this thing was all done with auto-track simulation, it was all independently reviewed, and they're all saying, all the engineers are saying that it works. They did actually tighten the footpaths a little bit during construction. They, they widened the carriageway a little bit. But, mm. but Fran, it, it, it is an issue that's going to be an issue in all of our urban streets. We'll be looking later today at designs for Stephen Road. Yes. And what the TII want there is they want the narrowing of the carriageways because they want to naturally slow traffic down coming in. So, so narrower roadways is actually part and parcel of what the designs are looking for. Right, but when a truck ends up going up on the new footpath... To, yeah, to get I, their way around the corner there. It's, well, it's concerning, I, well, isn't it? I, it is, but I, I don't think that when, when the junction is finished, I don't think that that should happen. One of the things that, that, that one of the, the most difficult ones uh, is, is for trucks coming out of the railway road trying to do mm. a full 180 to go back up the bridge. Yeah. That's a manoeuvre that simply won't be allowed. It, 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 it couldn't be done at any time, but it, but it won't be. It, it would be an illegal manoeuvre. Right. This, this junction is finished. But I, I do think, friend, that you know the, the raised table will be put in place. We're moving pedestrian crossings. We're putting pedestrian crossings at the other side of the at the Abbey Road side of the bridge as well. And like once 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 the, I think we we won't have to wait and see the, the, the yes. finished product. And what what about some some people raised the the notion of traffic lights, for example? Yeah. Uh, look, at, at the start of all this, everything was looked at. So the, um, the traffic lights were looked at. The, mm. um, it was decided. The roundabout, that, of course, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, seemingly the roundabout was the first thing that it was ruled out mm. because it does seem that there's not enough space there, uh, and you have six roadways. So, and it's actually well, if a roundabout was put in, or even one of the small roundabouts was put in, it actually makes the junction much less safe because seemingly it, it doesn't deal properly with how uh, pedestrians can cross the road. Right. Traffic lights result in a huge amount of waiting while people are waiting. You're waiting while the, the green lights are against you. And then your pedestrian lights would have to be put in as well. And all of that would mean that you have excess waiting time. This is about what's been proposed and been put in place is about slowing the traffic down through the junction. 
So once the raised table comes in, that will change the dynamic of the yes. junction. Now, it will still be a busy junction and it will still be a difficult junction, but the, the slow movement of traffic makes it will be safer. And have you any concerns about backing the traffic back over the, 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 the oh. brow of the bridge oh. then? Oh, yes, Frank. I have, and I have concerns about traffic being backed up down Butler Avenue and down Matthew Avenue yes. as well. I have, absolutely. Uh, but but I, I, I equally would have had the same concern for, uh, at Liberty Square and, you know, yes, like yeah. any time that you change a flow like that. I, I suppose one of the interesting ones, rather, you recall when, when the, the junction at Clongar Road at the new little factory was, or yeah. the new little shop was opened, there was a lot of problems with the traffic. There was tweaking yeah. required afterwards. And, and when it was tweaked, the junction works fine. So, but it was a very simple tweak when you think about it by comparison, uh, uh, you yeah, know. And it, 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 it took two months, Fran. But anyway, yeah. um, and, and it would be a lot simpler to do it here. But like this, this you know, has been through the auto track simulations. They've been through the independent reviews. They're saying we're assured that it's going to work. I think we're going to have to wait and see. All right, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, part partly the answer to all of these issues would be an inner relief road of some, some sort. What's the latest on that, Seamus? Well, look, the, the inner relief road, Fran, is, is, is the, the road from, from that Clongar Junction to the Mill Road. And I suppose what it provides is a second river crossing. And, you know, it's a vital piece of infrastructure to, to alleviate the traffic around Torres, but also for the development of Mary Mackler College and yeah. maybe as well for New Arms School. Um, the, the, most of the land is in place. There was one last piece of land that wasn't in place. There's a huge amount of work has gone on in the background it has been slow progress, Fran, and uh, but there is progress on it, and I would hope by 2023 all of the land would be uh, would be in place. Um, the, 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 once the land is in place, Fran, the next issue then becomes about the funding of a road. And you know we had Neil Martin in for us uh, two or three weeks ago, and we impressed very very strongly on him the need for this infrastructure, the need for a second river crossing, and the need to take traffic away from Liberty Square. And you know there's been officials from the department who have visited. Um, they're showing they're showing an interest in it. Uh, there's something I, I I think that once we get the land in place and we get the full design, I think it's something we could see progress. Now, how quickly is quickly? Certainly, I was just going to ask you. I mean, we won't be driving on it next year, Fran. But, but maybe yeah. you know, in a couple of years, we we, we will be driving on it. Right, but it is down the line considerably. Yeah, mm. Fran, I, I I wonder if it, could could I just make a comment about the, the parking charges? Of course, yeah. Well, I was going to get to that anyway, James. Yeah, but, but yeah, because there's total confusion about it around the game. and the thirty minutes in Thurles is uh, you know bothering people. It is bothering people, Fran. And look, the, the, the thirty minutes. I, I suppose the thirty minutes. Extend the thirty minutes. It's thirty minutes, and then it's the grace period that comes at fifteen minutes. So I suppose it's forty-five minutes because you always get fifteen minutes of grace period. No, you see, that's the first I heard of that, James. Well, Fran. Well, Fran, if what I'm telling you is wrong, it's because what I have been told is wrong. Right. So, I, I, like, I, I check this. The grace period starts at the end of the free period. So, right. in fact, what, what we have is 45 minutes. But where that has come from, Fran, is like, you know, Perlis and Templemore and Ross Gray always had free parking throughout the town on Saturdays. Mm. And I was it last year, the year before, in consultation with the Chamber of Commerce and some of the traders, we tried, looked at doing something different. So what we have in Perlis is we have 30 minutes plus the grace period, free parking, on street and in the car parks every day. Right. Now, we, we, I suppose maybe we should go back for consultation with, with, with the Chamber of Commerce and Traders again this year, and we didn't, we'd have to put our hands up and say, well, you know, we, we certainly have to, to look at that again. But when I look at the initiatives in the other towns, and, and I, I look for what all the other towns are getting, like, so Ross Green Temple Moore is free parking on a Saturday. Yeah. Neil is three hours free parking in car parks from the 10th to the 26th of December. And two of those days are bank holidays. Cashel has free parking in the car parks on a Saturday. Care is free car parking on car parks on a Saturday and two for two hours free on the street. Clonmel is three hours free parking every Saturday in the car parks. 
And Tipperary Town uh, and Torres are the only ones that have free parking at any time during the week. Mm. So, like, there, there's a whole mixed bag of it there. So and you're saying really, that Turles is doing pretty well by comparison, No, I, no, I, I, no but I'm just saying that, that, that there's some misinformation about what is available in other places. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, I suppose maybe a half an hour isn't right and it needs to be longer, and that's certain, right. certainly something that needs to be looked at. What are you saying? To, saying to me, it's 50 minutes now you can have in Turles. Is that it? Well, I mean, 45 minutes, right? 45 minutes, OK. 45 minutes, right. But I, I, I listened as well to the, to the interview you did with Tommy uh, Tommy Barrett on Friday. Yes. And I thought, actually, you hit the nail on the head, and some of your contributors this morning hit the nail on the head. Like, this goes back to where we had nine local authorities up to 2014, mm. and each local authority, the town councils and the county councils, all set their own parking charges, and they set their own parking um, for the parking times and all mm. the rest of it. And everything else in the council has been standardised in the period since. Our rates are standardised, development levies are standardised, the vacancy rate discounts are standardised. Everything is now standardised except this. And I suppose what all of this conversation loud and clearly is saying is that we now need to standardise the parking charges and the parking right. incentives. And, and with your experience, are you telling me that that would be a good thing? I, I certainly think it would be certainly a good thing for Thurlis. Right. And, and what, what are you saying to be there now, behind well, well, all that? Behind all that, what I suppose what I'm saying is that, that, that we, the parking charges in Torres are higher than they are in other parts of the county. Right. Right. So, so but, but it, it, it is time to standardise everything. Like we, we have standard, we standardise everything else. It's right. the last of the charges that's not. Right. Is that something you'd and, be pushing for yourself? For absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I think, too, that we need to standardise the incentives as well, because there is a lot of confusion about what's there. Right. I'm just about out of time, but I want to ask you quickly, Seamus, if I can, about TUS, because there's that announcement by the Minister for Higher Education uh, today, and seemingly multiple millions will be made uh, available for the extension there of the college. What, what do you make of that? I, uh, look, it's fantastic news, Fran. And, you know, since, since you know, TUS took over, LIT took over the old uh, Tipperary Institute, I mean, they've gone from strength to strength. Uh, it, it's a very, very busy campus. And, you know, see a huge amount of investment has happened on site. And, you know, it's all, all and every investment is welcome. But, you know, it, have you, we now actually have two universities in, in Torres. We have MIC and we have TUS. Mm. And, you know, going from strength to strength is all very welcome. All right, Seamus, thanks for your time today. Happy Thank Christmas you, to you and have the family, Seamus. Happy. Thank you. Bye-bye, Thank you, Gina. Councillor Seamus Hannafin speaking to us there. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Sheila. Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. A listener says, I can't understand the council's continued absolute rejection of traffic lights in Thurles. Mr. Hannafin's assertion that they slow up traffic is laughable. He must have never sat in his car in Butler's Avenue, and well, I'm sure he has, in fairness. Um, it can take ages to even reach Bowes uh, Junction there. Um, good to see the plaza in action on Saturday. That's making reference to Clanmel, obviously. It says, it looks good. Well done to all concerned. Santa Parade from the West Gate. Uh, was a little lacking in drama though. Um, surely it would have been great to have Banatlu and Mala 
uh, lead the parade and uh, somebody else going that's Anne in Clonmel today uh, I'm up by Bowes Corner in Thurles every day in the morning people walking out from the train station and they just walk straight out in front of cars don't look and the lads doing the work um, spend more time drinking coffee than, ah no ah no sure they're entitled to an old coffee uh, now and then if they're working hard 1800 938 007 Financial advice with FOH Financial Limited. Tried, trusted and experienced advice. See foh.ie. FOH Financial Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. And uh, Francis O'Hanlon is with me in studio. Francis, how are you? Good morning I'm great, to you. and you? I'm very well indeed. Good, good to see you. Before we start, can we talk a little bit about inflation? Because a little bit of good news there for people. Yeah. That it, it has peaked. Is that fair to well, say? Well, has it? It, it? Well, it's definitely slowed down. I think they said for the first time in 17 months, okay, it started to cool. But, you know, I don't, we're not out of the woods by any hmm. means yet. But definitely the figures that came from Europe last week showed a slowdown in inflation. I think it came back to around 10%. Yes. 10%, like we're not talking about. Yeah, no. It came okay. back to 2.5%. It's still 10%. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, pressure f- points, I suppose, that are still leaving the figure up around that. And indeed, it came back. Ireland seems to be doing quite well in that we're below the EU average. I think it was in around maybe 9%. But again, 9%. 9% absolutely. So, yeah. uh, look, I don't whilst it's back um you know where is that translating to um is it translating to the pump maybe not a little bit but not fully mm. um because it's based on energy prices and food inflation seems to be the big big driver um so look i think hopefully it's the beginning of a turn um i do think you'll still probably see an increase in European Central Bank rates again, um, maybe not as strong as they mm. were maybe going to go, but who knows? Well, um, they're walking a very fine line with that decision whether or yeah. not to stay as it is, or indeed to increase interest rates. Yeah, and again, because that influences lo- inflation, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I suppose they're looking at the whole European picture as well. They're not yes. looking at the Irish picture because you know, and again, some countries are more vulnerable. Is yeah, that, absolutely? Is that it? Yeah. I mean, it, I think it was I can't remember what country they mentioned that were up around twenty percent inflation. I think Italy is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, Italy would be, but I think it's one of the more eastern countries. Yes. Um, the name 20, evades 20%. me as I speak. Spain is actually the lowest, I think, at around 6%. Right. Um, from from what I, I read the other day. But look, at the end of the day, you know, even looking at the Irish situation, um, I was up in Dublin at the weekend and it's, you know... There's a few bob around. Out. There's a few it? bob around. <laughs> but even I was down in Cork last week there's a few I was down in Kilkenny yes. you know there's a few bob around I was in around Clamel you know it's mm. busy I made that point last week and uh, some of the, some of the nays here said ah that's all grand but wait for January and February and yeah. there's an element of truth oh yeah that, of course there? there is because look it's like anything people prepare for Christmas and you know Santi's coming I hope you yes, know that credit um, cards are being credit, yeah absolutely that, yeah. and we, we'll get we'll into that, that maybe that, as that we go through so we, we're going to have a couple of questions uh, first of all from last time round Francis yeah. I live alone I'm 64 retired on a contributory pension paying a mortgage uh, put 100 euro into the electric meter three weeks ago down to 10 euro already. I have no choice but to find work. I can't survive 
uh, otherwise. That's in from Anne-Marie. Is that a common uh, look, tale? Look, I mean, all I can say is I hear you, Anne-Marie. So, I mean, here's somebody who's saying that they're, they've retired. They obviously got an occupational contributory pension. They're getting an income from that. Um, you know, based on being age 64, they won't be getting the state pension yet, but they'll get that at 66. So, But they still have to work because they still have a mortgage. And that's maybe some of the legacy of, you know, the crash. The, you know, the people where I'm seeing people at 64 still with mortgages, it might have been that they got into difficulty um, yeah. in 2008, eight nine, and then all of that, they're dragging that bag of rocks. What do you mean? They had to extend to the mortgage? Yeah, yeah. and dragging yeah. the bag, the proverbial bag of rocks, as I call it, literally forward. And here, they, here this person is at 64 with a mortgage still. Or look, you know... As they say, modern Ireland now, it may have been a marital split where they had to go and get another mortgage themselves. But look, I suppose, fair play, Emery, you're you're still working. You have to supplement your income. You know you have to do this um, because this is what you need to do just to make ends meet. I suppose if hopefully... There will be a state pension of 66, which would maybe ease the matter slightly, or it might mean that um, possibly she might be able to expedite clearing the mortgage a little faster, mm. or maybe cut back some of the hours that she's working just to balance it. Because, you know, yes. I am mindful people can burn out as well. Of course. At that age, if you choose to work, I think that's great and fantastic. But mm. if you feel forced into working yeah, at that age, I think that's tough. terrible. Yeah, and look, it? it is. And, you know, we're seeing people like. I, I know people say, like, the Irish state pension is quite generous, right, in comparison to other countries, um, maybe our nearest neighbours. But, yeah. I mean, it is easy yeah. to talk to it. Yeah, it is. It really yeah. is. Like, but when you consider €100 Euro does a few weeks there in the metre, oh, that's an indication. Sure, it's it, just, you know? it's incredible. People are seeing, and I think an awful lot of people that maybe had underfloor heating and people that have electric cars are really feeling it because basically they have to charge and they're using electricity. So I'm hearing of some phenomenal um, electric bills out there at the moment for people that, you know, made those choices. And look, you would say, mm. excuse the pun, the sun will shine again. Um, and it is, a, you know, a very energy efficient and clean way of managing your car. But mm. I suppose playing just not, while it's not taking away from Anne-Marie and what's going on, you know, there's... Yeah. Some of the bills are bananas at the moment. A lot of difficulties out there. Another uh, query, I'm an old age pensioner, I'm living alone. Mm. I don't get the fuel uh, allowance. I have money in the bank for rainy days. My question is, how much savings can I have um, and still qualify? So this was an interesting one because literally I had the same question from a client um, who felt aggrieved that, you know, they applied for, they thought they should be entitled to the fuel allowance. Mm. So they weren't. And basically the same as this, possibly this individual, um, fuel allowance is means tested. So what's counted? For a single person under the age of 80, you're allowed basically €373.30 a week of an income. And that's the state pension, which is two fifty three thirty plus one hundred and twenty. So, if your income is above that, this is just a single individual. So, if you're, um, you know, a married couple, if the other individual is applying for it, you know, it's then both incomes are combined. Mm. So, what what they do then is beyond that. Say you're below the threshold of the income. Right, of the physical income coming in. They look at other things that you've got, such as maybe an investment property or 
savings in the bank as this person mentioned. So I kind of went a step further then. The first 20,000, as with most means testing, is excluded, okay? But if you've means beyond that, for example, so we'll say the fuel allowance is 33 euros per week, but let's say an individual has 100,000 in the bank, right? How many people have that? Mm. But we'll say somebody who has 100,000 in the bank, whilst you know, the Department of Social Welfare will ignore the first 20k. The remaining balance gives this individual the equivalent, they, they convert it basically to income of about 270 a week. So if a person has 50,000 in the bank, it's the equivalent of 70 euros per week. All right. Okay. So say somebody who's 74 in receipt of the state pension of 253.30, but they have a small UK pension, we'll say, and they're getting 50 euros a week. And they're maybe getting 60 euros from some other means. Uh, and they 50,000 in the bank. They're basically 70 euros a week over the threshold to get the So the they won't get out. the fuel. Yeah. So that's just yeah. to say it's it's, it's, it's unfair because sometimes I mean to have that kind of capital people might have saved all of their lives. Oh, absolutely, you know? absolutely. You know, and you know, but then again, I, you know, it comes to the question. And I've often had these discussions with people. They they'd be saying, "Why would you bother? What's the incentive?" Look, I suppose I'm not taking away from the fact that somebody has worked all their life and they've stamped and they've their pension and they're not entitled to maybe the fuel allowance or maybe marginally not entitled to. Hopefully they do have some savings in the bank and that's the reason for it. And at least they've some fallback where a lot of people I see have no savings in the bank. Right. They're literally, they've the state pension, you know, they they basically need the fuel allowance because they've no fallback. Right. So anything that goes wrong for them, um, nothing. They've no fault. Okay. That's that's the problem with a lot of people. All right. Another query: What changes are coming in January? I'm due to get my pension on June first. I was a stay-at-home mum. So, firstly, the changes are in January 24, not January 23. You should be okay um, in June 23, assuming you qualify now. And so, I'd say, as we've always said, did you check your stamp? Okay. What stamp entitlement have you? Um, the changes that are coming are around how the state will assess you for the state pension from 2024 on. Um, but this will be on a phased basis. But come 2034, from my interpretation of it, Fran, basically you'll have to have 40 years stamps to qualify for the full state pension. But, you know, hey... They're saying you can work on till 70. Oh, wow. And we touched on this already. Yes. Um, mm. So to if you need... So remember, okay, cynical me, um, I was saying there's a method in their madness. You know, they're saying you have the chance to accumulate more stamp. So they're also saying you can defer taking the state pension. So for every year a person remains... Um, in work, they'd get paid an extra 5% if they defer the pension. But I suppose that's not what this individual is asking. Mm. They're saying, how would they be um, in June 23? I'm going to say, assuming that you have the correct amount of stamps, that should be okay. But look, right. these are so individuals, you need to go and check your stamp level. But you'll get the benefit, certain credit for the years where you're, you were in receipt of child benefit for your children whilst you were a stay-at-home parent as well. All right. Uh, let's have a look at uh, Christmas then, Francis. Uh, expensive, to say the very least. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, let's... It's an expensive time of year anyway. 
um, particularly expensive for families with young children mm. uh, with long Santa lists. Um, then just add inflation and energy down on top of that. Um, you know, so it it, it piles up. Um, it's one day. So we need to be mindful of that. So just a few words, I suppose, on saving and hopefully not so much borrowing. And that's easy yes. possibly for me to say. But, you know, it's again, one day you don't need enough to feed the county, the province, the nation um, until the end of February. Yeah. And the shops will open again. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's, you know, yes. I was only uh, talking to somebody lately saying, God be with the days where of of a certain well-known shop in in, in Clonmel where the queues used to be the whole way to the back of the store <laughs> like when you think about it it was bananas it but anyway it, just, yeah. it was part of the charm of it I think yeah. a tradition so I, I would say like children uh, adults should do a Christmas list for presents for food and all the bits and pieces that they tend to you know buy early and maybe they add up and they forget them mm. and next minute they open the wardrobe and to do a clear out in March and they find stuff stuck down the back that they bought, you know, so they need to be just kind of mindful of what they're buying and, you know, budget the same as you budget for anything and stick to it. Yes. Okay. And the sticking to, I mean, we came out of the whole Black Friday and Cyber Monday nonsense and all all of that sort of thing. I mean, what about those offers that are just too good? Yeah, look, looks like a duck, walks like a duck. It's probably a duck, right? right. Um, I, I would just say again, this is very clever marketing and you know there may be some very very genuine offers out there but I mean there was still there you know it's not black now it's black Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday actually all the way up to Christmas so there's there's bargains there it's marketing ploys trying to rile you up to get you in and you know oh my god you can't leave this behind so just do your homework Mm. do your prep on any of these things because a lot of people didn't get caught up in the frenzy of that and they'll do their their shopping normally and they'll probably get as good a deal but sometimes there's a price as well they're dragging everybody in because it is a bit of a frenzy and people do get caught up we heard stories about people who in fairness were vigilant enough to be tracking an item for example and saw that it was no bargain at all because it had been Exactly. That price a few months, yeah, months ago and all of that. Anyway, um, shopping local, I mean, that's important too. Absolutely, isn't it? I, yeah. and and again, as every year, it's important because people need to be to be aware of the cost of. There's a price for everything. Mm. So if it's a thing that you're not supporting your local businesses, you know, that translates into jobs and even, you know, footfall for the other businesses in in, in a town or in a in a even a small rural town. It's just important if you can yes. to support support local. Every every year you make the point, and I guess this year is no different. Christmas is not a surprise. It no, doesn't it's not. it doesn't sort of Yeah, I mean yeah. you look we say to people you should be saving for Christmas on the 1st of January to the following December you know and again that's easy to say where some people are saying well look actually I'll spend the month of January now trying to catch up on my ESB bill or whatever it be but as a rule if you can it doesn't matter how much you're earning or how little you're earning if it's a thing that you spend for Christmas and you majority people do and indulge in that way you really need to be budgeting for that from the 1st of January so no matter how small just siphon off a little bit 
um, every week, every month, so that you have that some of that money when because you're going Because, of course, forward. the the alternative is borrowing, Francis, yeah. and, uh, you know, you you always have warnings about Yeah, that, I do. Look, I mean, they could end up a really, really expensive Christmas if you're slapping everything onto a credit card yeah. at 18% and you're not getting rid of it possibly some people don't get rid of it at all within the following year or that you you know you're dragging it on for you know six to ten months and then you're back into the cycle again so just be careful on the whole borrowing thing um you know especially if you're putting it down on credit cards it might be that really you should have a term loan but ideally try and get out of the cycle of borrowing if you can yes um for christmas say try try and save and it might take you a couple of years to do that but you know there are a lot of offers out there as well fran store cards and and that new phenomenon that sort of buy now pay later it's not all that new i suppose yeah uh, and i suppose there was a couple of new entrants into the irish market last year and you know again some people, if they manage this really well, as in you don't pay anything for three months or you don't pay anything for six months, depends on the provider. Happy days if you can manage it. If it's a thing that you break the terms and conditions, all of a sudden you could be facing into 40% interest. Wow. Yeah. So just be careful. You know, it might be that it's saying, look, you can buy now, pay later, you might have to pay X installment now and and clear the rest over three months and then you've no interest. If you can manage that, brilliant. But, you know, if you can't, you need to be careful in what you're entering into. Right. Is that Uh, regulated in some way? Yeah, I mean, you would say any of the main ones are regulated. Um, It might be that it's Central Bank of Ireland or it could be the Central Bank of Finland. Um, But they normally are regulated. If they're not regulated, you need to be careful right. uh, as okay. to, you know... Well, what, would you explain Klarna to me? What is that? Yeah, about? that's basically one of the buy now, pay later is it? Okay. Um, phenomenons. But again, and I'm not saying this of Klarna or, or Littlewoods or whatever ones they are, are you really getting, is that the best price? Could you get that item cheaper elsewhere? Is it only that you're using it, this particular um, provider because they have this buy now, pay later. Just be careful sometimes because there's many ways that you can end up paying more for something than you anticipated. And you're always at pains to tell us, and God knows I agree with you on this from past experience, mind your credit rating. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, people think sometimes it's so easy, you see, from their, you know, especially for younger people, and look, to mind younger people, I know plenty of older people that are sitting on the couch with a phone in their hand, right? And they're literally, you know, they've a hundred, 200 euros spent in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's too easy. But but with that ease comes responsibility around how you're going to repay it back. What are the terms and conditions? And if you can't pay it back, it could damage your credit rating. So again, mind your credit rating, be it a buy now, pay later, be it a credit card, be it a term loan, just be aware of that because the last thing you want to, you know, hear is that you're going, you need to go and change your car or you're buying your first home and all of a sudden you have an impediment. 
We're almost out of time, but this is your last visit to us before Christmas. What a year. What, oh, a, year it's what, what a year. I don't know why I'm, I'm laughing. It's been, you know, bananas. Yeah. I mean, if you consider even our discussions this time last year, like since then, war in Ukraine, millions of people displaced in the world, you know, who are basically refugees, energy, food crisis, inflation, rising interest rates. I mean, turbulence in the equity and the bond markets, which seems to be settling out slightly in the equity markets. But, um, you know, I suppose we're facing a slowdown in Ireland. I don't think it'll be, you know, fully fledged recession, Mm. but we are definitely facing a slowdown. And, you know, I suppose, yes, we're all, a majority of us are very lucky. Mm. Uh, it, it might be yes we're paying a little bit more of the pump or we're paying a bit more for electricity or we're paying a bit more for our mortgage well we'll manage it and then there's lots of people that just can't manage mm. right and and I think we need to be very mindful I think our government needs to be mindful of them but I suppose as citizens we need to mind each other as well and I would say if you know there's a lot of very good charities out there um you know, if people can afford, no matter how small, if they can make some form of donation uh, to help our own, of basically. Course. And I'm not saying that, no, help anyone. Um, yeah. Just, but I suppose, look, charity begins at home, as they say, oh. and just to help people oh, where right. we can. Well, well said, Francis. If people want to talk to you about financial issues, uh, Francis, how, how can they do yeah, that? Yeah, they can contact the office, which is in Clamel, but I'll give you the number, it's 52 or they can go onto our website, www.foh.ie. All right. Thanks for all the contributions during the year, Thank you, Francis, and a happy Christmas And a happy Christmas to you and to everybody as well. Stay well and safe. We'll take a break back in just a little while. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. And you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Time to talk global politics with uh, Tipperary's Thomas Conway, who's a politics and economics student at uh, Trinity. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Frank. And good to see you today. Spotlight on Indonesia over the last while, but for, for kind of different reasons? Yeah, for kind of different reasons. I suppose the first thing that drew attention to it was the G20 summit in yeah. Bali on the Indonesian, Indonesian island of Bali and that was obviously highly consequential in its own right we then had that devastating earthquake about two weeks ago it pummeled the island of Java over 250 perhaps 300 people killed and then over the weekend one of the volcanoes on that same island of Java Mount Semeru erupted and that's creating its own damage so you know a lot of natural disasters and I suppose that owes to the fact that Indonesia is located on what's known as the Pacific Ring of Fire. So where tectonic plates collide, it's vulnerable to that kind of seismic activity. But I wanted to look at it for a different reason because I don't think people, a lot of people will realise this, but Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim majority state for a start. It's also the third biggest democracy globally. And it's the fourth most populous state. 276 million people dispersed across various islands stretched from the Indian Ocean right over to the Pacific. So, you know, a lot of demographic factors and and social factors feeding into it. And from a geopolitical perspective, 
it is becoming really important. It's caught up in this kind of strategic contest now between the US and China. Both are vying for inf- uh, for influence, I suppose, mm. in the region. But the interesting thing about Indonesia is it's not simply a pawn. In economic terms, it is seriously competitive. The sixth biggest emerging market by a share of GDP in the past decade, its economy has grown almost as much as China and India, which is staggering in its own right, considering we don't hear an awful lot about it. And it has a lot of natural asset, it, assets. It has specific assets when it comes to things like natural resources. The country is home to huge amounts of nickel, and that's a mineral which is used in electric batteries, electric batteries used to power electric cars, which is obviously a growing industry. So it has those natural advantages. I was particularly interested to read all of this that you prepared for us, Thomas, because I was in Jakarta about, I think it's 30 years or more ago, and the poverty I saw there was incredible. Now, you had these luxury hotels, but right across the road, literally, you had people living down on the rivers and, you know. Yeah, and I've no doubt there remains a fair degree of poverty. I would imagine the economic disparities, even from reading it, the economic disparities, there are still huge gulfs there. Mm. But there is also a growing middle class. And, you know, as I mentioned there, economy growing rapidly, starting to flourish, mm. very astute in terms of economic policies. It's mm. uh, it's go- the government's economic policies. And that is being led by the president, a man called Joko Widodo. He's nicknamed Jokowi for short. Rose to power in 2014 ahead at the head of a, a surprisingly diverse coalition government, which was kind of a first for Indonesia, brought together mm. various party factions. And he has taken a number of interesting stances. The, the most interesting, perhaps, is his stance on the war in Ukraine. Mm. Indonesia has remained ostensibly neutral, could yes. we say. And he's spoken to everybody. He's spoken to everybody. Yeah. Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, Xi Jinping, Vladimir Zelensky. He's met all of them. And obviously he was at the, the core of the G20 summit, mm. it being held in his country earlier this year. But he's also presided over kind of a transform transformative economic policies in the region. I mentioned there, like poverty, probably still high among certain factions of the population, but the rates are falling. And there is no doubt about that. If Indonesia continues on its current trajectory economically, it should evolve into one of the world's 10 largest economies within the next decade. Interestingly, its currency the rupiah has actually outperformed a lot of rich world currencies, i.e. the dollar, uh, the won, the euro, since the kind of currency crunch earlier this it's, year. It's interesting. Are they vulnerable in any way? Like, who's investing in, in Indonesia, for example? Well, yeah, well, this is the thing. Indonesia lies within China's sphere of influence, just geographically, and China is pouring money into the country. There's no doubt about that. Since 2020, in the past year to two years, it has invested four times as much as the United States. So significant inflow of capital from China. There is no doubt about that. And the country is also vulnerable to certain economic and political dangers. And the first one is the issue of succession. I mentioned President Joko Widodo there. He's kind of perceived as a, a beacon of stability, a trailblazer. His term of office, his second term, ends in 2024. And as of now, there is no kind of viable successor emerging. Some have even speculated that will he tamper with the constitution perhaps to to ensure another term in power. I don't think he will do that. From anything I've read, he's 
he's a firm believer in mm. kind of constitutional limits and those aspects of democracy. So that is a risk to well, Indonesia. Is, is democracy sound there, though? Well, in the past several years, they have kind of managed to combine democracy with economic reform. Mm. Now, there are vulnerabilities, there are fractures and weaknesses there, which can't be denied. But I mentioned there he's put together a surprisingly diverse coalition government, which suggests that there is cross-collaboration between the various parties there. I would say it isn't completely sound. I mean, The Economist, we've mentioned that index before, it rates democracies and it brands Indonesia as a flawed democracy, which isn't the worst. You know, Mm. it has certain vulnerabilities and fractures there that it needs to look out to look out for. Mm. And the same applies to economic policy because it is practising this kind of policy of slight protectionism, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the natural resources industry, it's trying to protect the industries which which it thrives off. And that could obviously present a danger because in order to flourish economically, it must remain integrated into mm. global markets. You spoke about the influence, uh, considerable influence indeed, of China there. What happens if there's an issue with Taiwan, for example? Well, that is the big concern, I would imagine, on Joko Widodo's mind and on the minds of a lot of Indonesian politicians because any conflagration between the US and China or China and Taiwan, that could damage Indonesia's economic prospects. Why? because it would close crucial shipping lanes upon which Uh. Indonesia denies. And obviously a lot of the world, Australia, will be, you know, uh, will be cautious there as well. Any any of that area around the Pacific Ocean and uh, and Asia there, it could be vulnerable to to a conflagration conflagration in Taiwan. So that is a looming Mm. concern without doubt. If it continues to show growth, if it continues to develop, what what will the result of that be, Thomas? I think we will see India, Indonesia emerging as somewhat of an economic superpower, not on the same level as the United States or China, but maybe somewhat similar to India. I mean, if you look at India, India is opting for a kind of a form of economic growth which is led by technology and manufacturing Indonesia is slightly different its model kind of revolves around its own natural resources a little bit of industrial protectionism and then cross party politics and of course neutrality in terms of its military policy so it's kind of the bright new star of Asia in many respects and it may have a significant influence on world affairs it may be able to influence the big powers like US and China like the US and China as we move forward it's interesting and let's move closer to home because we're going to speak about Europe's global status now and you you reckon it's it's seriously under threat at this point Thomas. it is kind of worrying it is kind of worrying now i mean that's not what people will think first off because the war in ukraine has obviously united europe like ever before like mm. never before there has been solidarity and support of ukraine the countries are working together but there are also threats to the continent and and they come from from our allies i suppose as well as our nemesis abroad the but first our thing, allies are you talking about the states i'm talking about the states yeah. surprisingly i'll get to that in a minute mm. but just to look at first the energy crisis and obviously people will know this but i suppose energy prices have reduced somewhat relative to what they were in the summer mm. but it still poses serious dangers Gas prices six times higher than their usual average. There are various estimates, but some suggest that 
the increase in energy prices could actually lead to excess mortality, so excess deaths within the continent. What, what kind of numbers? Are we yeah, talking? one prediction says over 100,000 elderly people in Europe could perish wow. as a result of the el- uh, energy crisis. And that would mean that Vladimir Putin's war would effectively take out more people outside of Ukraine than it would within it. So that is scary. And I don't want to frighten people too much, but mm. these are all dangers which which have to be considered it's also creating acute financial vulnerabilities. The euro, obviously, the ECB, the European Central Bank, facing a major dilemma. It needs to raise interest rates. We had the the Irish Central Bank governor coming out within the past few hours saying rates need to rise yeah. by by about one or by about zero point five percent. It has to do that to control prices. But doing that could also destabilise... It's a very difficult one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, destabilise the Eurozone's weaker members. Italy in particular, which has a heavy debt burden, will be particularly concerned about that. Mm. And Europe's commercial structure is another thing. We've mentioned this before ad nauseum. Too many of Europe's industrial firms... Well, first we're reliant on Russia for gas yeah. and energy, but too many firms in Germany in particular are reliant on China for sources of inputs. So that is another concern. So hopefully we will have learnt um, from the last year. I wonder, will we? I wonder, will we? Well, going forward, you would have to say, and you know, there has been criticism of, I suppose, Europe's, uh, shall we say, naivety in Mm, the past. Angela Merkel has come out trying to kind of defend her reputation. Her reputation has kind of been tarnished for the degree to which she had allowed Germany to become reliant. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We, we alluded to uh, to America there a while ago and talk to me a little bit about the Biden administration because essentially, I mean, a lot of uh, Trump's uh, exactly. protectionism is still in place. I had it? to almost laugh when I was yeah. reading through kind of pieces on this. It, it is quite similar. He hasn't changed tack all that much. Even on a broader perspective, he's continued the confrontation with China But in terms of economic protectionism, he has sort of maintained that approach. And one issue is causing big contention between European and American diplomats at the moment. And that's his his subsidy scheme. So he he launched a new flagship policy, I suppose, called the Inflation Reduction Act. Historic investment in climate investment, but also in in energy, in subsidies for firms Mm. in the U.S., and that, of course, threatens to undercut Europe's yes. energy Did he firms. not backtrack a little bit on that, though? He backed, of course, Macron was over. Yeah, he was yeah. wooing Macron last week. First date visit, uh, you know, rolled the red carpet out for him. And his rhetoric softened mm. a little. But there is no doubt that there is tensions there because as a consequence, Europe is losing investment to the US and effectively being kind of drained of commercial vitality. So you have these subtle tensions Emerging, And then you look at Europe's growth figures. Now, some speculate that Europe's economic output could fall by 2 to 3%. Doesn't sound like much, but it's actually quite significant from an economic perspective. That's the kind of long-term predictions. And then to add to all this, finance ministries across the continent adopting all sorts of measures to soften the impact of the energy crisis I think over half a trillion euros of public money has been dedicated to energy subsidies 
and supports in the past year alone. A it's, staggering it's volume. Incredible. And we know, God knows, from our own situation here about that uh, as well. But what about the overall uh, danger? And again, the geopolitics of this and where Europe will end up if we keep on this trajectory. Yeah, that that is... And our now, importance, I suppose. Our importance globally, yeah. in the global scene. Now, I suppose the war in Ukraine has focused renewed attention on the continent, but that doesn't mask the fact that there is a broader geopolitical shift happening. The US and China are now the two superpowers, as we've, as we've mentioned. A lot of economic activity is moving towards Asia, towards Southeast Asia, towards the lights of Indonesia, which we've just spoken about. And the focus is shifting away from Europe. And there are demographic factors feeding into that as well. We have an ageing population in Europe, not so much in Ireland, but certainly across the continent. People are getting older there are less people of working age. So the productivity of Europe as a whole is falling. So these are all things that we have to consider. Please tell me that that's not all bad news. Have you any good news for us? No, no, it's not all. And, you know, we're coming up to Christmas. We have to we have to uh, keep a positive face. So, look, I mean, the wave of European populism that we saw over the past decade, that has kind of abated slightly. A lot of those populist parties have either faded or they've moderated their views, some being incorporated Mm. into government in the lights of Italy and Sweden. Uh, But they have moderated their views somewhat. Certainly in France we've seen that, haven't we? So we we have seen that with Marine Le Pen in France. And then, of course, as a result of the war in Ukraine, an unprecedented degree of solidarity amongst European countries, and that has been heartening and reassuring. But I suppose, make no mistake, the continent is facing a set of gargantuan, challenges there is no doubt about that and the next few years could could make or break the european project just finally let's talk a little bit we only have a few moments left but i if we 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 love to talk about american politics we love and to. the new face of the republican uh, party and that's one gentleman in particular isn't it yeah it is ron DeSantis. it's it's donald trump is facing a serious threat from within his own party and his name is is ron DeSantis, the florida governor people will be familiar with him he was really the big winner of the midterm elections. You know, he swept to victory in Florida. He had previously won by a slender 32,000 votes. This was back in 2018, so 0.4%. He coasted to victory this time round, 20 percentage points, the margin. What is it about him, Thomas? I mean, what what makes him popular? So there are a number of things. I mean, he has a familiar backstory to most US politicians. Harvard educated, I think Harvard and Yale but he's been an outspoken critic on a number of issues. He's kind of styled himself as as an opponent of the woke agenda, mm. woke culture. Woke he, dies here. Uh, was that yes, that was uh, the quote, or that's the phrase that, that he liked woke to use. Woke comes here to die, I think. Yeah, that's exactly, precisely it. You know, he, he was in opposition to some of the stricter COVID measures when the pandemic was, was in full swing. More recently, however, he's kind of been praised for his management of Hurricane Ian, which obviously pummeled Florida back in September. But he's plucky, he's ambitious, and he's young and charismatic. But was he not a Trump fan? He was a Trump fan, of course he was, yeah. And this uh, this is the really interesting thing. I mean, he progressed up the ranks. He was in the US Navy, I mentioned all that. But he was first elected to Congress as a House representative in 2012, formerly a close ally of Donald Trump, and supported him on a number of issues, including the Robert Mueller investigation into into election meddling in the 2016 presidential election.
Then in August 2018, he won the Republican nomination for governor, became governor of Florida. And since then, he has kind of, I suppose, first equivocated in terms of his views on Trump. And now he's presenting himself as a challenger. So... Does he have what it takes? Well, now, I know we're a few years out, but still. We are a few years out. Like, he has the charisma and he has the credentials and he's also a family man, which obviously plays mm-hmm. well with uh, with certain conservative American voters. Manny would see him as kind of Trump without the baggage. You know, right. are people yes. becoming uh, tired, wary of Donald Trump? And could Ron DeSantis offer an alternative in which... He's a little bit more presidential. Mm. Uh, a little he looks bit, the part, doesn't he? Looks he looks the part. Yeah. He certainly does. Yeah. And he's leading Trump in polling. I know it's very early days, mm. it has to be said. Mm. In states, he, he has an 11-point lead in Iowa, as much as a 26-point cushion in his home state of Florida. But as I say, he is 44 years of age. Mm. So he's young enough to wait and sit this one out. The thing is... Opportunities to become president. I, I read in Barack Obama's book, he said this. Ted Kennedy approached him and said, go for it. because yes, you these have a things, window of opportunity. You have a window That's of opportunity it, yeah. and it only comes around once. That's interesting. Okay, uh, just briefly because we only have a minute left. What should we be looking out for uh, in the coming week? Well, I mentioned the subsidy war between the US, yeah. Europe and the US, so I won't get into that. But I did read an interesting piece in the week looking at Moldova, obviously an Eastern European country a country which is acutely vulnerable, I think, to Vladimir Putin. Uh, it has a region, Transnistria, which is effectively controlled by uh, by Russian proxies there. And there is a danger. Moldova is facing increasing dangers from Putin. He's using his energy weapon against it. Mm. The, uh, Have their, they come out against him for... Their his... Prime Minister, Natalia Gavrilita, she has been very firm in her opposition to Vladimir Putin, which I suppose is heartening and reassuring. At the same time, however, her country is under huge pressure, so we would hope her commitment doesn't wane. And just finally, I have to ask you about those tensions in China, because unprecedented stuff happening there. Yeah, we might speak a bit more about it next week, but tensions spilling out into the streets, the lockdowns, it is going pear-shaped for Xi Jinping just weeks, effectively, after he secured another term as Communist Party chief and Chinese president, We have protests, widespread protests across the country. Obviously, the Chinese government trying to repress that. It has effectively abandoned its zero COVID policy now and is going for a a different line. But, Mm. you know, that can't save Xi's blushes. Look, his power is not... There is no threat to his power. What's very rare, is this people power working in China? To a certain extent, yeah. it is. I mean, they call it the largest protest since Tiananmen Square in 1989, which is, which is staggering. Yeah. Look at So as I say, his position, not really under threat, but you'd imagine he is feeling pretty uncomfortable. All right. Great to see you, Thomas. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks, That's, Brian. Uh, Thomas Conway with our look at all things global news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Sheila, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. The Ormond Historical Society's third lecture of the current season takes place uh, tonight at the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina at 8pm. And the title of the lecture is The First Children of Nina Jail. And it will be delivered by my old friend, uh, Dr. Connor Reedy. And everybody is welcome along. Non-members of the society uh, will pay 10 euro admission and members are free. But it sounds to me like a very, very interesting uh, piece indeed because the talk arises from a broader study conducted by Connor uh, called The Children of the Famine Era Prison in Ireland and uh, most interesting stuff there tonight. And I know a lot of our inter- uh, listeners are very interested in local history. So that's the place to be tonight. The Abbey Court Hotel in Nina, 8pm and uh, Dr. Connor Reedy at the podium there. Now, we're on air every weekday morning from nine and Gundy spoke to me this morning about his frustration with parking charges in Tipperary just after nine o'clock. Here's a little of what he had to say. Revenue for parking is vital. It's, it's totally 100% vital. We know that because it, it has to pay for certain things around the place. And then you've also got the people that are working their jobs as parking, um, you know, mm. that just distribute the tickets and mm. all that when they need. And there is a lot of people, you see car park, cars parked in places where they don't have um, disabled badges on mm. the cars. Yes, you know, yeah. And that's out of order, you know. Mm. So that has to be controlled as well. But in general, I mean, for instance... You take a certain type of the day, time of the day, sorry, mm. where where people, where the towns wouldn't be so busy. There is that time when, you know, the town is booming. And so if if it was taken down to a part where, you know, the, the, the least busiest time of the day, if that was put to, um, say, free parking for well, a few hours along there. That's very interesting. That's a, and, and, and that would do a lot of good for business as well, it would wouldn't it? do absolutely brilliant for the businesses along. They're going to get their, their influx of people that they need for their shops. Um, and it'll, it'll also take the pressure off the, the streets on the really busy time, I think, as well. So, But there's just small little things like that that need to be looked That's a for. very sensible idea. Well, you know, it, mm. it's, only one, it's only one little idea. Mm. But you see, the problem is, are they sitting down around the big table and are they making decisions like this. How do you look at facts like this? And that's Gundy speaking to me just after nine o'clock this morning. We're on air every uh, weekday morning from uh, nine. Now, a little earlier on in the programme, I made reference to Pat Leahy's piece in the Irish Times today, telling us that many voters in the Republic are unwilling to make concessions to unionists to accommodate them in a potential united Ireland. And that's according to some new research I'm sure you heard about over the weekend. Mike joins me now. Good morning to you, Mike. Morning, friend. Good to talk to you today, Mike. You you don't see any reason why we should change the anthem or indeed change the flag. Well, not, not really, no, because I mean, Ireland is Ireland, and and the story, like, uh, uh, it's got split many years ago when politicians made a decision. I think, to put it simply, and they made a deal that they'd give away six for to keep twenty six. That's kind of putting us in a nutshell. Uh, it has to be a totally democratic decision. I think if if the two are to rejoin, and I mean that would mean I think several referendums really, because you couldn't have an all Ireland referendum because uh, the majority would would definitely kind of more or less you know outweigh the the, the Northern Ireland population. Uh, so that would that would. It wouldn't work. I think you'd have to have a referendum in the north. 
asking those people in the north did they want to join the south and then if uh, vice versa here if uh, the people in the mm. south wanted the north included and and that's uh, that's probably what would would happen um <laughs> where that is you see the other thing that people don't really take into account is that it depends on what kind of a united Ireland you're talking about, Mike. I mean, would it be uh, 32 counties um, uh, governed from Dublin or would there still be a devolved situation in the six counties? Well, there's lots of things to take into account there as well, you see, because uh, Northern Ireland is basically out of Europe. We're in Europe. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one consideration that would have to be, I think, that we great difficulty in, in, in coming up with a solution for that one. Uh, I wouldn't like to leave it to our politicians to do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it, it's it's just it's. It, I mean, it, 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 the ideal situation would be we'd be all one, mm-hmm. um, regardless of our race, creed, or religion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if it was a 20, 32 counties, it would be thirty-two counties run from the capital. You know, uh, which is Dublin. Yes, but you, you can see the issue that unionists would have with that. Well, yes, but I mean, we, we, that, that, yeah, I mean, it should have to be a democratic decision, and mm. I mean, the unionists would have to accept that. You mm. know, and anybody, you know, of people would should accept a democratic decision made by the people. Mm. You know, and now you're going to have, I mean, you're going to have politicians out there spouting their, their spiels about what they want and how they would do and what they think is best, like, and uh, people are starting to listen less and less and less to politicians anyway because for various reasons. So a, a proper democratic decision would have to be made. Right, uh, and if part of that decision involved a peaceful unification, even if we had to give up an anthem or a flag, Mike, would that not be worth it? Well, um, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, uh, again, I mean, if if the flag had to be changed or the anthem had to be changed, again, it would have to be put out to the people, perhaps get people to submit their, their ideas or whatever it would be for a new anthem or a new flag, and then again, uh, let the people decide on which one they would prefer. You know, uh, the flag is a symbol of what we are basically, who we are. Mm. Um, our flag has always been the green, and, and white, some, and orange. Of course, and I agree with you, but some uh, some people might say to you that, in the, you know, that the orange itself would incorporate in the Unionist tradition, would it not? Well, it's, the orange is already incorporated in our yeah. flag for that reason, yes. you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, don't see why it should, should need to change. It would need to change. They're, they're represented in it as it is. Well, I suppose it would be symbolic of change, maybe, Mike? You know? Possibly, possibly, yeah. maybe I don't know what you would do if you if you couldn't have it maybe running the other way because then we as it is we I think we get confused a lot with the Italian flag mm. <laughs> the same colours as ours yeah near enough just uh, and, and, out and the anthem I mean when it came to the rugby um, for example they ended up with that awful uh, what is that Irish thing um, yeah no, yeah 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 which I just think is yeah. a terrible piece now yeah. I know I know it's which a Phil Coulter piece and all that but I still yeah. I can't yeah. stand it. But, I mean, again, would you like to hold on to Shinna Fianna Fáil? Well, I, I, I mean, it wouldn't bother me one way or another, I think. I suppose I was brought up with it, learned it in school. As, as, as mm. You know, it was bit into a 3D in school, one of the 
few Irish language songs I, I'd know, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, 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 at that level and that age, I probably didn't know much, really what it meant anyways, except it was our, anthem, our national anthem or well, whatever. I, I think you'd be with an awful lot of other, <laughs> other Irish people who neither know the words or the meaning in the, uh, indeed. Uh, of yeah, it as well, I, was recently, I was recently at a, at a, a, a do, actually, where it was played by the DJ at the end of the night and no, I could watch the people trying to, they were making up words they went along to, to, just to try and to sing it. They knew the air but they hadn't a clue what the words I know. Were, you know. But, but, but you, you, you're a musician, Mike, so you, you would have seen at the end, I mean, this is a favourite hobby horse of mine for ages. I mean, playing the national anthem in places where people disrespected and don't listen to it or they're shouting during, I, I find that terrible, you know. I, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's our it's our emblem, like it's our symbol of, of what we are, really. Uh, you know, it's put yeah. together. Okay, it's, it's a song of war, really, as well. You know, what is so, soldiers are we now? The yeah, translation. You know, yeah. so. Uh, Did you like, find it interesting to hear as well that uh, Northern Irish voters, that they're much likely, um, less likely, I suppose, to vote for a United Ireland if it adopted the health system <laughs> that we have here. <laughs> that says an awful lot, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, then again, uh, the health system in the UK isn't uh, any better than ours. I think, in fact, I think in a lot of cases it's worse. At least you can get an appointment with a doctor here, whereas you can't in the UK in a lot of places, you know. Right. Well, we're going down the road, though, Mike, where you can hardly get an appointment with a doctor I know, at this, yeah, uh, this yeah, point. So it's, yeah. uh, it, 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 like, what would drive you to want a united Ireland? Is it sort of a romantic view of what we should be or is it political? What What is it, Mike? <laughs> Again, it's, uh, I think I, I'm. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't get up to the north very often. It's once in a blue moon, yeah. really. Um, but uh, it's it, it could be a romantic thing. I think possibly mm. uh, we're we're all Irish. You know, we're, we're not all Irish. There's, there's a lot of uh, other nationalities mm. living here. Mm. Under uh, you know, uh, my wife is English, so mm. I mean that's. That's part of the whole thing. Uh, I mean, we have, I mentioned it there in, in my notes, uh, like we have what's known as the Common Travel Area, the CTA. Yeah. Uh, would, would that, would we keep that? You know, that's an agreement was set up between here and the UK. I know the UK honoured that all through the through the lockdown as well for travelling Ireland didn't. But uh, that's another story. Mm. But uh, the UK did. You know, which was well, I mean, one. I think, you know, whether we like it or not, um, uh, you know, a, a good relationship with our nearest neighbour is, is vital to us at all Ab- times. You know? Absolutely, absolutely vital. And I mean, it's history is one thing, you know, but I mean, the here and now is, is, yeah. is what's really important, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and like, uh, as long as we all get on, when we have the peace treaty, which is holding up fairly well and, and you'd hope that this wouldn't uh, wouldn't upset that in, well, you in, see in that would way. be my only fear about a unification of Ireland <clears> is <throat> that would you ignite something from you know lo- loyalist paramilitaries <clears throat> again would they activate well and, absolutely know? if you ignite one you ignite two you absolutely. know or yeah, four yeah, so absolutely. yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, again like uh, our, our politicians are, 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 are they're going to discuss this we'll have to be very diplomatic and again, uh, it has to be an absolute out-and-out democratic system. And as soon as you hear, we hear any politicians spouting lies or spouting something or false promises, then we have to, to, to 
it up and take them to hold them to account, you know. Mike, it's always good to talk to you and thanks for coming on with me this morning. Thanks, Mike. Dr. Brother Fran, Thank- always good to talk to you too. All right. happy, happy Christmas to you, Mike. You Thank too. you and bye bye to you now. That's Mike speaking to us about the possibility of a united Ireland, but uh, Southern voters reluctant to change the flag or the anthem. We'd love to know your opinion on that. Now, also earlier on, I mentioned that Paul Hosford has a piece in The Examiner today telling us that children living in South Kerry with mental health issues are being treated by a doctor based in the United Arab Emirates via video calls as a crucial position remains vacant in that area. Now, Jessica uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you so much for coming on with me uh, today. What what do you make of that? I I was horrified by that news this morning, Jessica. What do you make of it? I'm just absolutely horrified myself. and I, I, I just can't believe it. I, just what happened in Kerry, first of all, how they were failed and exactly what they went through. Mm. These poor children who were already suffering mm. went to seek help and were just forgotten and abused. Like, it's abuse, like medical negligence. I don't even think covers what these poor children have gone through. So, um... I don't know. I, and there's I, I, already compensation in place for some of the families affected by this. And here we have another that situation. That they haven't got, friend. Yeah. They still don't have it. Yeah. You know, January, Leo promised his compensation back in January and still they don't have it. Now I think some families are going to seek legal action themselves so they don't want to take this compensation, which they have every right to do. But, yes. Um, there, was a, there was an independent cons- consultant psychiatrist, Dr. Sean Maskey, who did a an investigation. And what he found was there was unreliable diagnosis, inappropriate prescriptions, poor treatment monitoring. So for 46 children, there was significant weight gain, sedation, elevated blood pressure. For one poor child, she was producing breast milk. The doctor was prescribing medication, psychiatric medication, for ADHD when he hadn't even spoke to teachers in the school. Oh my God. So can you even imagine those children having gone through the trust issues and and already been failed to now not even see someone in person who they can build an actual relationship with and who can tell by the way they're sitting and who can read body language and who can read anxiety. And yes, and I'm not even sure... I don't even sure... I'm not even sure if there's a language uh, issue as well. I'm not I'm not sure what nationality the person is, but... And, and I'm making that... Uh, argument by saying that nuances are so important if you're interviewing or or trying to examine somebody who has mental health issues. Exactly. I think not everything is said, you know, not everything from, especially with children. And we're talking about children here. Like, I I don't understand. I'm really, I'm I'm genuinely angry. I don't understand how the doll isn't being absolutely, why there's not people on the streets screaming. I feel so bad because I feel like if these children were living in Dublin, they'd be fine. If these children were living in Dublin, there'd be a doctor there. There'd be a psychiatrist there. I feel like because we're not, because they're down in an area that's, you know, outside the big realm of the city, I think, yeah. Why are we so dreadful in terms of looking after our children, for God's sake, you know? I don't know. I actually don't know. Like, there was issues. Like, it was so... I just, five years it went on for. Mm. There was issues with documents missing, which means that children weren't getting follow-up appointments. Mm. 
the receptionist had people coming in and she didn't even know they had appointments. The doctors weren't given, the psychiatrists down there weren't given the information back to the GPs. How did it all happen? So it's just I, I don't. chaotic. You'd wonder, was there any oversight, you know? Or... No one, no one, no one. It was, it was only um, an interim doctor came in um, from India and she came in as a cover for a couple of weeks there during COVID and she actually reported she blew the whistle on the place she was. She went and she found it to be absolutely disgraceful which it is and thank God for her because this would still be going on like five whole years like, this and would still you, be going on today Do you know what I found amazing is that after this time since the whistle was blown um, in terms of a, a consultant psychiatrist now the HSE told the Irish Examiner today that it will not be filled in the short term so what what does that that, I know. that, that means we could Do be waiting think we could have the same conversation next year, you know. I know. I think as well, though, psychology, medicine in general, if you look at the Leaving Cert, the high points to get into medicine is absolutely, it's the top of the mark, like mm. the top of the range. It is, yeah. How does your result in your Irish and your history affect what kind of doctor you're going to be, you know? I could never work that one out. It's another yes. conversation, I think. It's a different conversation, but yes. I think it really But are you saying to me, like, where psychiatry is concerned, it's about empathy, it's about understanding people, it's about personality, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think the leaving cert has to be refined 100% because I think you're not going to have doctors here. The, the packages, the money, everything... Uh, they're all overseas. They're yeah. all going. Do, do you mind if I ask you, Jessica? I mean, yeah. I, I know just as a human being, you're annoyed about this, but is there something else? I mean, is there some other reason why you're particularly incensed about this? Um, my own brother would have had very bad mental health issues. Um, now, he's fine now, thank God, as an adult. But as a teenager, watching him struggle, I think it's just really hit home with me. It's just really affected me. I think people I think still there's a stigma around mental health. I think still if you can't see the child if the child's having a panic attack or the child's misbehaving and you don't realise that that child doesn't have the ability to self-regulate that child literally does not have the ability to self-regulate their emotions and you think oh they're very bold. They're just a bold child or you know I don't think it's very well understood and, and I just feel sad. I just feel really really sad about it it's just yeah and, and your first first hand experience of of this when yeah it's, it's yeah. not yeah when when the intervention is not all it should be I suppose and no and the waiting lists around the country for oh, normal yeah. services are just a sure joke enough. so yeah. I just think these children are particularly vulnerable I just think what like every every child on the mental health every child in the mental health industry who's on a wait list is vulnerable but in particular, the children who have already gone through this abuse, I think these children need to be taken care of as a priority. They they need to be an absolute priority. For Our the history, and, Jessica, you know, we come off very bad historically in terms of how we look after our children. Oh, we really do. We really, really do. And I just thought 2022, I just think, like, how? This isn't 1906. You know, we, we're smarter now. We know now. We're more educated now. Like, it's everywhere now. And I, when I saw, I just thought I was just so I'm just so angry about it. If this was France, they'd be throwing vegetables. I, I like <laughs> if this was any other country. If this happened in any other country in Europe, I think there would be absolutely outrageous cries. I thought the under, the understatement of the last twelve months has to be from the Sinn Féin TD for Kerry Pa Daly is his name. He described the situation. Wait for this one as just not good enough. 
Can you imagine? Yeah, just, just not, stuff, not like something you'd say on yeah. uh, not we won't even talk about religion, but yeah, no, I I, I just I, I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I, I don't know what kind of money can even cover what what like what'll money do for what what's what's the point in having money, right? So they're going to give them compensation and give them money, lovely. Mm. So they can help with their medical care. But, but medical a lot of their childhoods have been spoilt and you know. Yeah. Je- Jessica, it's so. really good to talk to you today and a happy Thank Christmas to you so and your family, Thank Jessica. You. You Thank too. you. Thank talk you. Bye bye to you now. Bye bye. And that's uh, Jessica speaking to us this morning on that announcement of that situation in the same area where they had all of those other problems. Uh, where where children, you know, suffered significant harm by, by how they were looked after. And now we hear that uh, they're being treated by a doctor based in the United Arab Emirates via a video call. It's beggar's belief. I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.com Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, listener uh, taking issue with me and saying there's no orange in the Irish flag, Fran. It's green, white and gold. Well, no, I'm colourblind, so you're going to have right fun with me on this, but the notion of the tricolour, certainly as far as I'm concerned anyway, uh, if memory serves me correct, is that the symbolism there is green for Roman Catholics, orange for uh, those from the Protestant community, and white being the peace in between. Now that's my interpretation. I could be wrong about that, but I mean, if you want to give me your view on that, 083 311 John Mack is in the City of the Kings. Good morning, John. Well, Ryan, how are you? I'm very well indeed. How are things in Cashel today, John? Oh, not too bad, no. I'm enjoying it. a bit of cold now. Ah, sure, I know. T- tell me about your thoughts on uh, the bus travel, because you were telling us about uh, the, the the charges there, John. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what sprung to mind there was uh, you, there was a man talking to you from Town there last week about the trains pulling into, pulling into Limerick Junction, we said, mm. and people going on cycleways and this, that and the other, you know. So I was over at the bus stop in Kea, and there was a young lad there. He's, I think his parents were just after dropping him off, and they took a mountain bike out of the out of the back of the jeep. Mm. And he was going over to meet his mates in Tranmel, and he was going cycling down the Blue Way. Do you know? Right. Just good lads out for a cycle. He's mm. only 15 years of age. But he put the, when the bus came in, he put the bike in underneath. Do you know where you put the luggage? Yeah. When he got on the bus, he handed in 20 euros, right? And the bus driver gave him back 6 euros. Now, for a, a juvenile to go to Clanmel, it's 6 euros, but he charged him 8 euros for the bike. God almighty. And there was another fella going on to the same bus, and he had a bike, one of them ones with the small wheels on it, and he folded it up, and he got on the bike, got on the bus with the bike, and he wasn't charged at all. Oh my God! Where the other young dad eight eight euro for the bike to eight go on. euro for the bike. My God, and six euro for himself. And we're trying to encourage people to use bicycles and yeah. Well, I was transport. I was in the queue when I was talking to the parents afterwards, and they, they said that was what was out to happen. But like, you know, so I think that they should put out when they're advertising the tickets or online or anything like that. If you do the bike going, it's next to eight euro. And they didn't. They didn't know that, John, did they? Until no, they... no, they didn't know. No. 
And I, I just wanted to know, do the train, do the, they're not earning charge money to go on the train with the bike as well? Well, I, pres- no. I presume they do, but maybe some of our listeners can help on that if they have experience of putting a bike on the train. Is there a cost uh, to that as well? Yeah. You see, I mean, that's that's a discouragement, isn't it? For, for yes. People, you know? So I was talking to another man and I was asking him how that charge could be. Yeah. And he said to me, now, I don't know how true this is. He said, when people put bikes in with the luggage, there's people then with cases, expensive cases, they get scratched with pedals and just that and they're making claims for damaged property. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. That was what he said anyway. God, it sounds sounds kind of strange, though. Yes. It depends on how you put in the bike or how you store it or whatever, you know. Yes. What do you think should happen there, John? I mean, should it be free to put on a bike on a, on a bus? Well, it should be. It should be not let it known to the public. I don't. I, I don't know if it has not been let known. Like you know, that young fellow got a right shock anyway. Six euros back. I'm sure he did. Uh-huh. His parents as well. I'm sure. Yeah, his picture sure was going out the window with that one, wasn't it? Absolutely. Is casual all ready for Christmas, John? Oh, they turned on the lights the other day. They are now the other day. It's grand. Is it looking? Christmas, he feel about the place. You know? oh, that's great. It's looking... I'm just wondering what colour will they have the rock this year. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I have a problem with colours, but is it blue at the moment? Do I see blue light at the moment? Some nights it'll be blue and some nights it'll be green and some nights it'll be pink. Oh, all right. And, and then some nights you couldn't see it at all with the fog. <laughs> <laughs> what colours should it be for Christmas? I think that they should put lights up all around it. It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, Make it lovely for the children. Wouldn't it be gorgeous? Huh? Gorgeous. All oh, flashing lights above around the rock. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that actually the other night when I passed by and I saw it with blue, but projection of light onto it would be great, wouldn't it? Or something? Yeah, even a sparkle, anything at all. Something different, yeah. It would be you magical. Know. All right, John, look after yourself. No, listen, um, just before you go there, yeah. I, I, I have a friend there in Sohini, his name is Noel Gray. Grand mm. old fellow, he, he ran the, the Dublin Marathon three times back in the early 80s. Good. And he said that Joseph Muriel played in the hall down there a few years ago and it was the best night he ever had in his hometown at Lloyd. Was it? Wasn't that a very nice night? He said, you're welcome back at any time. Ah, well, fair play, John. Thanks very much. My best to Noel as well. Great to talk to you, John. Right, okay. I'll Take talk it to easy. You soon, my, my best to the family as well, John. Thanks, right, thank thanks you very much. much. And happy thank Christmas you. to you and yours. Many, many happy Bye-bye. returns to you. That's John Mack there, a great character in Cashel. All right, then it's time to talk sport. And we go to our, our Nina Sports Desk, and Paul Carroll is there for us. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Let's have a look back, Paul, and uh, the GA, first of all. And Ross Gray, sadly, were beaten. Yeah, Ross Gray beaten in the Munster Intermediate Hurling final yesterday, Fran. Uh, they lost to Limerick's Monoline in Parky Rin, and the final score there was 122 to 18 points. Uh, disappointment for Ross Gray. They never really got any momentum going in the game. Um, you always kind of felt they may, maybe needed a goal or something just mm. to give them a bit of a lift. But uh, Monoline kind of just a, a, a stronger side physically, I suppose, and with the kind of conditions and, you know, soft ground underfoot and uh, that sort of thing, it, it kind of favours those kind of bigger physical teams. And um, Monoline are, are managed by Tumi Varaman, Owen Brislan, and he's got a, a couple of other Tipperary lads in there, Dermot Gleeson, a Ballon Hinch, and a, a few more Tomb lads in there. And they kind of really really had Ross Gray's number, I suppose, in terms of they they probably knew more about Ross Gray than what Ross Gray knew about Monoline. So mm. um, that that was a big advantage to them. But yeah, disappointment end for what's been a very good year for Ross Gray. I suppose they were relegated last year from the senior and uh, the main main aim for them would be to uh, to bounce back up, and and they did that. Um, they did that in the uh, in the Premier Intermediate final this year. So they're going to be back up senior next year. But yeah, disappointing end to the year. But I suppose they're back up senior next year. And uh, Liam England and Cove done, uh, done a 
very good job with them and um, Liam has been very good uh, with his time to us and even come out and spoke to, to the media yesterday after a tough loss so um, fair play to them and uh, yeah sure they're back up senior anyway and that, that was the goal at the start of the year for him. Absolutely and congrats to Owen Brislan as well formerly of this parish of course. Um, to horse racing then you have to be talking about uh, Rachel Blackmore because uh, Honeysuckle didn't do it. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, a great winning streak came to an end yesterday. Rachel Blackmore partnered up with uh, Honeysuckle, who was the undefeated mayor of up to yesterday. 16 wins from 16, um, an incredible run and mostly great, a lot of grade one wins in there as well. However, uh, yesterday was the grade one Hatton's Grace hurdle up in Fairy House and uh, third place was where Honeysuckle ended up finishing. It was a big upset, 20 to one shot at Tia Hoopu, if I got that right, got the victory. So uh, Rachel Blackmore and uh, Honeysuckle, I think they were the one to two favourite going into that round. But um, I suppose all good things have to come to an end, Frank. Absolutely. I heard an interview with uh, Henry de Bromhead yesterday and you could you could feel his disappointment uh, about it. Um, to rugby then, Paul, and uh, three Tipperary teams in action over the weekend. Yeah, the AIL um, just uh, nearly rounding up before the Christmas break. One more weekend to go. Um, we had uh, nearly big wins for the in in Division 2A for some of the Tipperary teams it was Nina they nearly pulled off what would have been a massive win away to the league leaders Blackrock College up in Dublin and Nina led for most of the game a Kevin O'Flaherty try but unfortunately a try four minutes from time for the Dublin side saw them win 17 points to 14 so at least Nina come away with a, a losing bonus point there um, elsewhere in Division 2A Cashel were in action there up in Belfast they were playing Queen's University a very high scoring game but unfortunately uh, Cashel came out on the wrong side they were beaten 38 points to 31 up in Belfast. But there was a win, though, for Clonmel in Division 2C. They had a close game against Brough, but Clonmel won 30 points to 28. And I suppose elsewhere, staying with rugby friend Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, Tipperary Town native, uh, she started the season with five tries in the HSBC World Rugby 7 Series. It was the season opener in Dubai this weekend, and uh, she helped Ireland to the quarterfinals in Dubai, but they were beaten by the USA. And in that competition, when you lose the quarterfinal, you go into a, a, I think it's like a fifth place playoff semi-final and they won that against uh, Great Britain and then they were beaten by Fiji in that uh, fifth place final so they finished sixth on the weekend and then elsewhere in rugby Munster had their first away win of the season on Saturday they beat Edinburgh in the URC 38 points to 17. To soccer then Paul and St Michael's marching on yeah, in the FAI Junior Cup, St. Michael's um, had their fourth round tie. Uh, they were playing uh, Watford side Port Law. It was on in Tiptown in Cook Park and uh, it was a 1-0 victory for St. Michael's thanks to a David Slattery goal in the second half. Um, the draw for the fifth round was made last week so uh, St. Michael's knew that if they won that game yesterday they would be going into the uh, fifth round. They're going to be travelling up to Dublin to play Holt Celtic and that's on the weekend of January 23rd. So St. Michael's joined Peak Villa as the uh, remaining two Tipperary teams in the FAI Junior Cup for this year. Back to GAA. Kilroan McDonald's uh, victorious. Yeah, uh, they've completed a, a county title double. The Tipperary Senior Hurland Champions became the uh, County Junior B Football Champions on Saturday. It was up in Temple Derry. They beat Boherlan Duala and that one finished up a 111 to 10 points. It was a Carol Williams goal for Killer One, uh, which was the crucial score. And uh, Keen Darcy also got four points in that game. So uh, the good times continue in Killer One. Fair play indeed. Let's have a look ahead then to ladies football, first of all. Yeah, big weekend, uh, big weekend ahead, which is great to be saying. And, uh, and well, it's going to be halfway through December by the time next weekend uh, comes around, mm. and we still have uh, some some big uh, games locally coming up. A uh, huge weekend next Saturday. Next Saturday we have the ladies football All Ireland Intermediate Club final. That's the Mullinahan ladies footballers. They're up in Croke Park. That's on next Saturday. They're playing the Longford Slashers. That's at three p.m. 
and uh, great excitement building ahead of that one and that will be live here on Tip FM and it's kind of a, a super Saturday I suppose here Fran next Saturday on Tip FM we'll have the ladies football at 3 o'clock Mullinahone against Longford Slashers as I said but at 1 o'clock the Drum and Inch senior Camogie team they're in the All-Ireland semi-final they're up in uh, Ashburn in County Meath and they're playing Antrim side Lockheel Shamrocks so that's at 1pm and then straight after that at 3pm we'll have the Mullinahone ladies footballers but uh, Drum have been to an All-Ireland semi-final before but they were beaten a couple of years ago and uh, they'd love to uh, go the extra step this year as that final would also be in Croke Park so uh, they're the two kind of remaining Tipperary teams left in uh, in All-Ireland uh, or I suppose action outside the county so it would be great to see uh, see a win for Mullinahone and Drum and Inch over the weekend Wasn't it just and we wish them well as well to rugby what can we look forward to? Yeah, Munster begin their Champions Cup campaign on Sunday. They play uh, French side Toulouse in Thoman Park. That's at quarter past three next Sunday. And also next Saturday, we have the last round of the AIL uh, before the Christmas break. So we have uh, a round of games next weekend, next Saturday, and then they're off until, I think, uh, January 14th. So uh, in Division 2A, Nina Ormond are at home. They're playing Navin. And Cashel are also at home. They're against the league leaders, Blackrock College. And in Division 2C, Clonmel are at home to Sunday as well. And all of those games get underway at half past two next Saturday. Very good. The County Board Convention, that's on Sunday, Paul, isn't it? That's on next Sunday, yeah. yeah three o'clock down in Thurlis. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, as usual, the, the County Board Convention, always kind of uh, plenty of storylines coming out of it and different mm. motions that clubs are putting forward. And um, as has been kind of the case the last couple of years, age grades is something that always pops up on these County Board Conventions in terms of uh, back uh, up to a few years ago, Ago, it was always under 18 was minor and then it was under 21 but a lot of clubs want to, uh, it's now under 17 and under 20 but a lot of clubs want to revert back to that system of uh, under 21 and under 18 so that's something that will be uh, will be voted on, on among many other motions um, of course and elections and stuff and competition rules the whole lot so that's next Sunday and then uh, I suppose horse racing Fran is mm. the, the last thing on our agenda here we've uh, uh, the final race meeting of the year in Clonmel race courses this Thursday so a seven race card goes to post in Powerstown Park at five past twelve on Thursday Always good to talk to you Paul thanks very much indeed thanks, for Ryan. that thank you that's our sports editor Paul Carroll from our Nina sports desk and of course the sport is your thing don't forget extra time tonight just after seven o'clock with Ronan Ian and all of the team we'll take a break and then we'll talk travel Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now it's time to talk uh, travel and holidays and all of that uh, with Fergal O'Keefe of Travel Tales with uh, Fergal. Good morning to you, Fergal. Good morning. Good uh, to see you. Good to see you too. Christmas almost upon us. And uh, will we start with Christmas travel deals, Fergal? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's, it's my last slot now for this year. So yeah. I said it was appropriate to be talking about that. But, you know, the interesting thing is that January always used to traditionally be the big month for for deals for for travel, particularly when people most people are on packages, and up to like say for travel agents, up to forty percent of their sales used to be in January. Mm. But now with Black Friday coming 
and travel have got in on that act you know in November there's loads of great deals around this time of year and as everyone knows Black Friday is starting to become the whole month so all of December so everybody's offering great deals and I think it kind of ties in well actually from the point mm. of view of before Christmas so there's some great deals out L- there Like what? Give us some examples Yeah well yeah. just to give you an example like just say for skiing now that's going to be back again we talked about that this time last year mm. and you know they were hit probably the hardest in a tourism point of view but but that they're very much back but there's also loads of great deals because mm. there was a lot of Airbnbs and regular B&Bs and guest houses that didn't really open last year so the available stock now for skiing is much bigger this year so even though the demand will go way up for skiing there's also loads of deals and you know to give you an example like Crystal Ski there at the moment they're offering 100 euros off when you spend a thousand euros and that's for any travel between December till yeah. April 2024. Yeah. 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 So, the, but and that's what Crystal Ski, but Top Flight are doing it, and also all the airlines are doing it at the moment as well. Again, traditionally January would have been the big time, mm. but Aer Lingus and Ryanair and all the other airlines as well to start looking out now because they're all doing yes. a lot of great deal tying Fergal, in. We heard that. about some um, issues with snow, for instance. Is, is that still a problem in some of the areas? Uh, or? No, I don't think so. Actually, I, I follow like different different resorts on snow reports and yes. actually I saw one today, one that I'm hoping to go to in the in next year and uh, they got snow today. So I, I don't think that's an issue. Like last year, you know, just say the season was probably one of the quietest ever, but mm. that was due to the pandemic. But snow-wise, it was a, one of a record year last year. Right. So I don't think that's an so issue. But, an but issue. long-term it will be, yeah. you know. Okay. And, and even we talked about it before, during the summer now, a lot of those resorts are doing mountain biking, which I think Clamel has massive potential. So they're already starting to look at that change because in our lifetime, if the the way things are going, that is going to happen, and that, and it actually ties into sort of another one of the things I want to talk about is say for next year for travelling, a real trend at the moment. You know, we've talked about it many times is carbon footprint, mm. and yeah. you know, airlines they say is one of the biggest. You know, just say if personally, if we want to make a change. You know, one of the biggest things we can do is is less flights. Mm. So something that I think people will start looking at, particularly for families and things, is getting furries instead of planes. You know, to reduce carbon footprint. Yes, and you have news of a a yeah. new a new ferry. Tell me about it. I'm really interested. In yeah, because this. Yeah. this one really caught my eye. It's called the Salamanca, and it's a new. It's a brand. They're calling them like cruise furries. So they're they're huge. I mean, they fit over a thousand people, and it's going from it's going to be going from it's Brittany Furries that are doing it and it's going to be going from uh, Ross Lair to Bilbao in Spain which wow. is an area you know I'm really tempted to do that one because I really I like I've I, I done the Camino I talked about it yeah. but that area there you could go up to uh, San Sebastian and to Baritz and all or up to even the Pyrenees so I think that's a really good one. And you have your car. Exactly, it's, it's you have the car. Bonus, yeah. and, and they call them like cruise furries and like, you know, they've got, I, I mean, they've got, I don't know, something like 500 cabins there and they, they even have ones where there's an area for your pet if you wanted to bring right. your pet along as well. But how long a trip are we talking so about? So it, it's, it's, it's about 30 hours. Okay. 
So it's one to two nights on the boat. But that's, you know, there is a lot of like they've spas and all sorts of things on them now. So you kind of factor that in. And I mean, particularly what I like about this one, actually, the Salamanca, is they're saying that it's, you know, from a carbon footprint point of view, it's the first boat that uses liquefied natural gas. So they're saying it's like, from a point of view, it's one of the lowest emissions and noise as well. So that's sort of a big thing. So I think that's got great potential. Right. Uh, Will will that bring tourists into Ireland? Well, that's the other thing, you know, you, you kind of always forget that. But I mean, even when you look at it like that furry, I mean, they say it's going to, you know, uh, nearly 500,000 Spanish tourists they're saying will come in as well we always think about it as our mm, trip away mm. but also bringing in but the really important thing say for this area is that it's coming into Ross Lair so the potential for around here is massive so that's a huge amount those big huge ships um, there's great potential and also again there's another one Stendalines have a new big huge one mm. uh, that's going to be Ross Lair to Sherberg so again we will expect a lot of people coming in from that as well they have 485 cabins on it um, and that's, you know, again, yes. that's about 18 hours. And any idea about cost? I mean, if I want to take the yeah. car and the family. So it's, yeah, you know, it's sort of 250 to 300 euros for the car and then, you know, like say on those, you have to get a cabin so the cabin might be it's over 100 euros per person so it does add up mm. but then what you have to factor it's more expensive than just getting the flight. Right. But if you're if you're hiring a car on the other side then it works out cheaper. Do right. you know what I mean? And if part of your holiday is the boat trip, for example, well, that's it. Yeah, that, uh, that's yeah. that's the theoretical point, you know, because yeah, yeah. it does it does it would take you know up to thirty hours. But I mean, you know, I suppose you can consider that a bit of an adventure as Abs- well. Absolutely, indeed. Will you talk to us about the 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 blue book? Because I know you're a big fan. I am, and you know what? I I, I would always recommend. Just say if people from abroad ask me for recommendations, you know, I'm always giving recommendations for. Irish people abroad but also I get people from abroad to me and I would always recommend the blue book to them to try and pick places Mm. because you know it's so important because you really they're all country houses generally they're run by families generally so what that means is you really get the Irish hospitality and you also you're seeing these old houses with great history Mm. so I would always recommend people to stay here and you know they're doing specials as well also for for winter winter stays but also the other one is is if you don't know uh, what to get someone I I would go my top tip like travel for a travel present is a blue book voucher because um, not only does it do uh, you know it does restaurants as well so even you know like just say Campania and Kilkenny um you know, and Patrick Gibos in Dublin are, are chapter one, some yeah. of the best restaurants. Yeah. So it's, it's all, but I would really recommend that, you know, as a Christmas present, if you, you weren't too sure, you know, it, it's a great one. Idea, it really yeah, is. Isn't it, now, you spoke to two owners um, of houses on the in the Blue Book, and you brought it, me back such memories talking about Fernhill House, actually. Yeah. yeah. So it, my, my, it's coming out tomorrow, my travel tales with Fergal. Yes. It's on West Cork. So, you know, two of the best people to talk to. I talked to two of the hoteliers, and you say Michael O'Neill, you oh, know him. a great old friend of mine years ago, yeah. Yeah, fourth yeah. generation. So they're fourth generation. Mm-hmm. So if you want, you know, if I want to get a recommendation about where to go in West Cork, he was the guy to talk to. I mean, he was mayor of Clonakilty, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just, you know, you could say pure Cork. Yes. You know, it was amazing. And a re- I mean, he, he wouldn't mind us describing him <laughs> as a real character. Isn't exactly. He? Oh, isn't I mean, he was telling me great. Even, <laughs> he was talking about during the summer, you know, yes. we're talking about Michael Collins, obviously, about West Cork yeah. and Clonakilty a great centre there and he was saying the 100 year anniversary he was in the bar 
where Michael Collins, the night before he was assassinated, Colin Kilty there, he had a, a drink and he said he was in there with his father and his father ordered a glass of brandy and the glass was hanging up on the shelf and the glass just fell down on its My own God. and broke. Wow. So I was going, you know, Michael Collins, the presence <laughs> of Mike. So he's, you know, and that's what I mean by, you know, those blue book houses. Like yes. you, you go somewhere like Fern Hill and you, you really meet the, they know the area and the pride they have in it, I think really adds to the holiday, doesn't it? Yes, the the, the gardens there are particularly remarkable. Aren't they are, they? Yeah. they're remarkable. And, and it, it was actually, you know, they're, they're designed gardens and it was somebody, um, you know, it, it was uh, there was a woman there that like, her name is Mary Reynolds, who, who she got one in, in the Chelsea Flower Show, beat Prince Charles's garden, actually. Wow. So she designed those gardens. And actually, he's very involved in, it's called uh, West Cork Garden Trails. And you can check the website, it's westcorkgardentrail.com. And that's a really good one, because what it is, is they're all the, these amazing gardens and country houses around West Cork. So you're not only getting amazing gardens, but then you get the history as well of the houses. So that was like his recommendation for, for the area. And the other thing that he really recommended, which I haven't done, I have to do after talking to him, the way he was describing <coughs> it, was the uh, the whale watching. Yes, You can go from loads of places like Baltimore, but he just said, when he did it, he'd just come from shark watching in South Africa and he said he couldn't get her, you know on his own doorstep it was so much better like watching the whales coming up out of the water wow. and being followed by dolphins and, and he talks about canoeing as well along there and you often get followed by dolphins so that's something that's definitely now on my bucket Isn't list. just? What, what other um, country house did you visit? Yeah so I, as I said I interviewed two people for the for the um, podcast and the, the other one was uh, Keila Hodgkins and her place is Dunoan house mm. and it's an old 18th century country house for private hire I think it like takes about 30 people yeah but you can but it, what I thought was interesting about her is you know when you think of West Cork I do know you think like Jeremy Irons or you think of Noel Redding it, they're the people that sort of made it famous that yes. came in so that Dunoan house the previous owner was Noel Redding so she took yeah. that over and did it up and there was a real music feel about the place and just to remind got, people that's from the Jimi Hendrix exactly, uh, experience yeah. exactly yeah. and she talks about like you know the house there's loads of memorabilia and I was asking her you know like David Bowie and all sorts of famous people through the, through the decades used to stay there and I was you know she was talking about Mick Jagger one day like Mick Jagger's um, one of his first girlfriends they have, they have a child together I can't think of her name now but you know she just knocked at the house to have a look around and she wrote a book about her life with Mick Jagger after staying there with Noel Redding wow. she had promised him you know so that place oozes history and it kind of they, they, that, that like Keela came from Dublin and just fell in love with this place and moved to West Cork so. and that seems to be the case for so many people it's, it's very special what is it about West Cork that has that arty set and that yeah. sort of bohemian set well, there? you know I think I think that well I, I would go with Noel Redding and Jeremy Irons and people like that yeah. they were a huge influence because then they brought other people yes. and then came with that you know for instance like Keela would go her favourite restaurant in the whole world she would say is this place called Daddy which is in Baltimore and it's a Michelin starred restaurant but the owner is Turkish so it's Turkish oh. style food but using West Cork Irish produce and she would say it's a destination place on its own and there's another one say in Ballytahab called Chestnut which is Michelin starred as well well so it's sort of that international crowd and then you've got the food and then she said like even the markets like in West Cork like Skibbereen mm. she would really recommend mm. but it's not like a 
an artisan market. That's very much an old farmer's market with amazing, lo- amazing local produce. So she would really recommend that yes, as well. Gotcha. And you'd never know who you'd bump into along the way, I suppose, uh, uh, as well. Yeah, You mentioned uh, several things to do in the area as well. The Michael Collins tour as well. Yeah, and there's so much to do around there. I mean, even they talked about like the, the Cor- um, Clonakilty Distillers, which is an amazing building in the centre of town. And Obviously, you know, we all know about Clonakilty Pudding, yeah. but they, they've got a great little centre there and the Michael Collins house in, in Clonakilty, but all throughout West Cork. I mean, there are some amazing places to go, like even the drive, say from Clonakilty down to Glendore is amazing Beautiful. and Beautiful. Loch Hine. Yeah. Another place, another thing that both of those independently mentioned was Loch Hine, the effervescence in the water during the summertime. It's a bit like, you know, like in Fiji or like in Avatar, you know, that yeah. glowing water. So both of them at night time you can go canoe on. and you put the canoe into the water and a tray you know, effervescence glowing in, in the water. And, and I, I, I've been there swimming during the day and there's something very magical about that lake. So, you know, little places like that or even Union Hall, we think about fishing, but some great old fish restaurants there and, you know, in Glendore yes, and all along the coast. I always love Skull as well. Skull's exactly. Great, great Skull, area. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I always think of that as a real international. And then, you know, as they talk, like, it's, the other thing is like the islands, you know, like there's yeah, so of course, many islands yeah. off of it and Cape Clear and places like that that, yeah. you know, are, are really magical. It's a very particular climate as well, isn't it? Exactly. It, it, it's a tropical climate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the very famous one, like, it's, it's you know, around that area, like, it, that's why they, those gardens are so famous because mm. they have, like, tropical uh, plants and, and uh, tr- gardens around, yes. you know, around uh, the whole area. So, yeah, it's very, very special, I have to say, like, you know, very the, good the indeed, whole area. Yeah. Uh, well, so when can we hear the podcast? So the podcast... tomorrow, is it? Yeah, exactly. The podcast will be out tomorrow and it's on all podcasting platforms um, and then next week I have my, my last one of the year I'm going to be doing one on Clare kind of set that for last because I'm originally from Ennis right. so I, I did all about Clare and East Clare and again talking about the history and the I, I recorded both of those in the last two weeks so the thing that I really noticed is like talking to people about West Cork and also about Clare is the deep love the people in these areas like that's what makes Ireland so special like I, I would hope now in the podcast What do you tomorrow, mean this sense of place is oh, it and love of place? It's just unbelievable like the yeah. pride that people have in their place Yeah, it, you know both of them were going you know the Clare people were saying that Clare was the best place in the world and the people of West Cork but I, that's what I love about yes, of course, how, yes. you know so even just listening to that that's the that's what I think is special about Ireland isn't it? Uh, absolutely yeah for sure any plans just to look more long term any plans for next year that we should know about for Travel yeah. Tales with Fergal Well actually ju- just one other thing that I, I would mention actually just recommendations is just a couple of things is, is like travel books like so you know, I'm always listening to travel books, and there's one hill, one called the Downhill Walking Club with Dom Jowley, who's a comedian. And that's if people are in, I've talked here about walking and stuff before, but if you were looking for a travel book to get, um, that's one that I would really recommend. And another one is called Adriatic, which is all about the Adriatic region. Mm. Can't think of the name of the author, but if you just look up, it's just out. But that's an amazing one, talking about all, all the countries along the Adriatic, and it gives the history about the countries and. Uh, just amazing. I got really into that area when I was in Thessaloniki during the summer. So that's an area I really want to oh, visit. Great, isn't it? All sounds wonderful and great adventure and all of that. Fergal, it's always a pleasure. Thanks thanks very much indeed. That's Fergal O'Keefe of Travel Tales with Fergal. That's it uh, for me. Emma produced Ali looks after content and uh, Stephen is on the way. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.